Bears Cup Saturday preview show. This is part one of our preview show. Yeah, we have so much on our Bears Cup Saturday preview that we have to break it into two different parts because we have guest interviews for each of the Breeders' Cup races for you. We're going to talk about every single horse in every single Breeders' Cup race. But hey, don't worry. If you wanted some help with the undercard races, oh yeah, we've got that for you too. Chappie's going to join us to help us out with races 1, 2, and 3. Going to get us all set up there. Then we're going to go to the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf with Dave Handelin. We did record the conversation with Dave before... One of the recent scratches of Estilio Talentoso, so we talk a little bit about that runner in the field, but figured we'll give you the full analysis there, and I'll just mention that you're all going to uh, understand that by the time you uh, you play the races on uh, on Saturday anyways. For race number five, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, Angela Herman is going to join us for horse-by-horse analysis through that field. Then we get into the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. I'm going to handle that one for you. I'll go horse-by-horse. I figured one of these races, I'll take care of them. I'll do the deep dive myself. We get into the seventh race for Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf with John Moosis. Really excited about this uh, interview to share with you. John was someone I worked with over at TVG for a while. He was a researcher and a producer, and he is one of the sharper horse racing minds that I've ever met. He knows horse racing history, and in particular, he is very, very in tune with what's happening on the international racing scene. So he gave us great, great information about all of the runners in that Philly and Mare turf. We're going to finish up this episode with the eighth race on the Saturday card, which is the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Craig Milkowski is going to help us out with that one. So we'll have races 1 through 8 for Saturday here. Races 1 through 3 on the undercard with Chappie. And then races 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 with a different guest for each one. Then on the next episode, the Part 2 episode, you'll get all the rest of the Breeders' Cup Saturday stuff. So race number 9, the Breeders' Cup Mile with the Sarge. Oorah! That'll be on the next episode. Race number 10, the Distaff with Emily Gollickson. That'll be on the next episode. Race number 11, the Breeders' Cup Turf with Ed DeRosa. That'll also be on the uh, the next episode, part two. When uh, we get to the classic, we actually have two different opinions. Chris Larmy helps us out with uh, going horse by horse, and so does Emily Gullickson. Two completely different interviews, giving you horse by horse thoughts with two totally different people. And then we close things out on the Saturday episode, part two, with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali sharing their best bets. So, folks, we uh, we give you a quality and a quantity over these what are going to be three Breeders' Cup episodes. But normally, that's what G said podcast is always going to have horse racing on it. But every ep- the these Breeders' Cup shows are the only episodes where you are actually going to get all horse racing. Every other episode that I put together is going to be horse racing as a part of a, a big puzzle that includes all other mainstream sports, pop culture, everything that's going on. In fact, later on this week, uh, there's going to be another episode of That's What G Said that's going to come out Friday, early Friday, that covers every NFL game coming up this week that talks about what's been going on in the world of wrestling. We recap all of the TV wrestling shows for WWE, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and for AEW with Dynamite. Talk about what's been happening on Rampage 2 and then any other news in wrestling. That's every single week you get that here with the the wrestling analysis. You get the football every single game, every single week here 
We're going to check in with basketball, see what's been happening. We check in uh, once a week or so and uh, take a look through the standings, what some of the uh, the hot storylines, the news are. Baseball season just finished up, but we were giving you weekly baseball recaps. And then Marvel, MCU, anything happening in the world of Marvel or in Star Wars, there are a ton of new movies and TV shows coming out. Eternals right now. We're going to get the Hawkeye TV series coming soon. And then in the Star Wars world, Book of Boba Fett, the trailer was just released. Anytime there's a new movie, there's a new TV show, we are going to have it all recapped for you here. So on this podcast, on this show, if you're just tuning in and you're listening for the the horse racing and the, the Breeders' Cup, that's, that's what you're going to get on this episode. But Hey, uh, give us a subscription. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. Give us a follow on social media because if you are a fan of other sports, you're going to really enjoy what we can bring to you on a, a week-to-week basis. And hey, if you're just here for the horse racing, we're going to give you that every single week as well. Looking a little bit into the future as uh, we're jumping into November now, we're going to be covering... Once the uh, the new year starts, we're going to be covering every day of racing from Sam Houston. When the Santa Anita meet begins on the day after Christmas, we're going to give you analysis of Santa Anita racing every single day they race. And whatever big racing happens each weekend, we're going to talk about that here. If it's over at Belmont Park where there are a bunch of stakes races, we're going to discuss those races. If it's uh, at Churchill Downs, we're going to talk about it there. If it's Gulfstream Park. So wherever the big races are each weekend... And the major stakes, we're going to focus on those. But those don't always make the best betting races, right? So we'll let you know. Sometimes we take a look at the stakes. Well, yeah, a good horse is running, but a short field, it's not really a great betting race. We'll tell you that. We're not going to try to sell you on races that we don't think are worth playing. Some of them are just worth watching and you know, taking notes and, uh, and keeping an eye on who ran well, who didn't, and using that information to move forward. We'll always try to be as honest with you as possible here. We're going to have some fun, and let's make some money. Breeders' Cup Saturday, and we're going to get right into the races in just a moment. But this episode of That's What G Said Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. The The website is better than Vegas, so go and uh, make that one of your favorites right now. Then go over to Twitter and follow at BTV Bets because every single night on Twitter, they have a public prop giveaway. And all you have to do to qualify to win that free giveaway is follow them on Twitter, retweet the poll uh, or the, the prop announcement, and like it. That's it. We just want your help sharing and spreading the information from Better Than Vegas around. And because you do so, we're going to help one of you back. Uh, and we're going to give you the opportunity to win some cash. So check out BTV Bets every night. It'll be uh, a game, uh, basketball, football, whatever game is happening. They will post the wager and tell you what it is. If a certain team wins, if a certain prop hits, if something happens, the selected person gets that money. They send it right to you in Venmo or PayPal. It'll go immediately to you, and you get some cash. You get some money just for helping out, just for following at BTV Bets. And on their website, betterthan.vegas, there are free videos to help all of you with your handicapping, with your gambling. Handicappers and gamblers from all around the world post their analysis, the games that they're going to be playing each day and each night, and some of their reasoning. In fact, you can also become a part of Better Than Vegas if you want to go and register for a free account. You can share your videos. You can help grow your following. 
and every wager that you post will be tracked and at the end of the month if you have the best ROI if you have the best month you win $1000 in the monthly showdown for nothing just just because you you entered doesn't cost you a cent it's not a contest where you have to put a few bucks in all you have to do is start posting your videos and if you end up with the uh, the best tally you get $1000 they want to help you become a better better everything's free at BTV. We're going to jump into races one through three for Saturday, Del Mar, November the 6th. And we're going to talk with Chappie, Jeff Chapman, good friend of mine who uh, I've worked with over at TVG and uh, done some work with over at Santa Anita. And he hosts a radio show in the morning. We're going to talk uh, all about that. Uh, before we do, I'm going to let you know all day long when we're handicapping the races, before we even have the opportunity to start researching, we have to head to drf.com. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com head on over there right now to drf.com and you can purchase one of those breeders cup packages like the, the timeform us package for 39.95 you can access exclusive timeform us pace projectors and speed figures for the breeders cup you get the past performances for november 5th for friday and for saturday november the 6th and the timeform us format two-day betting strategies and the player's guide 
That's for the Timeform US package. In the Players package, you get the final pass performances for Friday and for Saturday, Breeders' Cup two-day betting strategies, and the Players Guide from DRF and from Timeform US. That's for $44.95 or the, the VIP package because those clocker reports are now up. And that becomes a part of the VIP package. You get the final pass performances for Friday and for Saturday, the betting strategies, the Players Guide from DRF and Timeform US, and the clocker report for both days. That is only $62.99 over at drf.com. Everything you need to succeed for the Breeders' Cup. I am locked and loaded with my formulator pass performances. Let's jump on into it, folks. We get set for Saturday Breeders' Cup, one of the biggest days in the sport of horse racing, November the 6th, and we open up the undercard races one through three with Chappie, Jeff Chapman, good friend, joins us to kick things off for the Breeders' Cup undercard on Saturday. Listen in as Gino and friends give you all the specifics on who to bet and how to make some money. Kicking off the Saturday Breeders' Cup card with some really good undercard races. And a good friend of mine who I've worked with uh, for many years in uh, in different ways, shapes, and forms. Way back at TVG, producing stuff. And then uh, now at Santa Anita, he hosts a radio show in the mornings. And I'm always happy to, to jump on and, uh, and give out some losers as of late. Uh, not, not a whole ton of winners. I'm talking about Jeff Chapman. Chappy, he's going to help us make a little money and pad that bankroll for Saturday on what is an awesome weekend coming up for us, Chappy, right? We're the we're the big sports fans that really love horse racing. You know, there's there's oh, everybody out there is a big big sports fan that's listening to this, but we're the ones that love horse racing, you know, that 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 niche uh, fandom and this is one of the few days weekends of the year where we get that spotlight. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's got a Breeders' Cup take. Everybody, the, there's a little buzz in the air, and it's really cool for us when it's in Southern California because we know these tracks pretty well, and we know a lot of the local horses really, really well. Yeah, that makes a huge difference, you know. And um, you know, obviously, we love it when it's out here. I'm actually, I was planning on going. I even got a buddy who has a horse in on Friday that's coming in from Chicago. A few things came up work-wise, so I will be at Santa Anita Park, which is where I'm at right now. And I have to preface before we started it that I've been just as bad as you have lately on the radio, but we're changing that this week. So we've been waiting. We've been waiting for this. Like all of those sort of bad ones are going to turn the other way this weekend for us. We've been doing actually pretty well with the football selections. Yes, we have. Yeah. So I had the I had the Colts last week. Who, if you watch that game. How they lost is beyond me, but sometimes you just get in a rut. So uh, it's time. And Saturday, just before we get started, AM 8.30, 8 to 9, we're going to have a, tons of handicappers. And Gino Bacola at 8.06 will be kicking off the show. Look at that. So Leading you are things the man. off. Yeah. Leading it off. Going to have to get you started off in the right way on the Saturday morning. And what's great about when Chappie and I are talking right now, it's early in the week. It's Wednesday afternoon. At that point, we will have an idea as to everything finalized. The scratches, we'll know exactly what things are looking like. We'll have a day to watch some of the way the track might have been playing on Friday. And so we will have the 
up to date, like finalized information to give you, and that is uh, on on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you're listening on the East Coast, it'll be uh, 11 a.m. for you, and you can follow along if you follow uh, at Horse Chappie on Twitter, or if you just follow tmlam 830 am830.net, you can follow along live there. So that's going to be a really good show to help you out on Saturday morning. So uh, Chappie and, and Chino, yeah, by the way, that's on. So that that you can find on am am eight thirty dot net or tmlam eight thirty like you said on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and Twitter Live all everywhere all three of those platforms live eight to nine Pacific time, and we uh we'll be totally by then. totally yeah. free a lot of a lot of fun from yep. some uh, some guys who know what they're talking about when it comes to the races when it comes to sports who have uh, played a few wagers in their days and uh we're gonna help you make a few bucks so tune into that set your alarms for that on saturday morning and uh let's yeah let's get get started right away because right after that on saturday morning bright and early at del mar 10 15 post time so you finish up at nine Boom, you got about an hour or so to finalize all your wagers and get things set up. So we're going to start race number one. We got a first level allowance. These undercard races on Breeders' Cup days and Derby days are so good and so strong. They're basically the the race that's the first that's not a stakes is a caliber of a stakes. It's a really, really deep first level allowance racing here where uh, you've got some some very nice horses like Via Ignacia, who has won back to back and has looked pretty good doing it. You got Dicey Mochara, who's been um, uh, run for, you know, underneath in very, very tough spots as of late. Those are two that I'm sure will take a lot of money. One fast bro to the inside has, has been in excellent form right now. There are many ways to go. Who are some of the horses that you're looking at in this spot, Chappie? Okay, so you know, you we we all get on certain horses that we follow, and uh, there's a couple angles that I'll start with with one of the horses you mentioned, which is Dicey Mochara. You know, if you go back all the way to the first race in the U.S. Uh, for Leonard Powell, this horse was hopelessly last. It looked like they were absolutely just giving it a race. And if you watch the gallop out, and I know we're going way back to May first, but this horse ended up just getting rolling about the time they got to the finish line and galloped out about 20 in front of everybody. So he was 20 win. behind, Correct. literally, literally yes. 20 behind that field. Yes. 20, <laughs> 23 lengths behind ended up about 20 in front, uh, way past the finish line. So I was fired up to bet this horse the next time out. They added the blinkers. The horse was rank, uh, ran off and, and did nothing. Third time. This horse relaxed, showed a good turn of foot, won at Del Mar, which is very important. Yep. And and then the next couple times out, um, ran against some good foes. Yeah, not bad at ran, all. They were they were right. both solid races. Right, right. And I think this horse is getting better. And there's a few things I like about this horse. First of all, last time out, no real excuses. Ran kind of a flat race that can happen. But this horse is two for two at Del Mar, and. Now, of course, it's going to attract some attention because of one thing where everyone's going to notice moving from Tyler Bays to Flavian Pratt mm-hmm. and, 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 and no disrespect to Tyler Bays. But I think there's a lot of talent in this horse. I think this horse can, is tactical and has a lot of talent. And with Flavian jumping on, I will be all over Dicey Mochara, but I, yep. I think we're going to get about five to two here. 
Yeah, you, and, and this may be a good way to start off your early pick fives, which you can play here, maybe single off the bat, key around. May, definitely a horse I would not try to beat. I think you you had mentioned Dicey Mochara when we had done one of the live streams together too, right before Correct. that win, I, I believe, at Del Mar. So we were uh, we were keeping an eye on this one for a while. And yeah, like you said, nothing wrong with that runner-up effort next time out. And then last time was, it wasn't terrible. It was just a little flat. There's more there yeah. to him. And he's actually, while his like numbers and figures aren't that gaudy, he's kept a little bit better company than Correct. than a lot of these. So that's what it doesn't bother me at all. He's a must use for me. I actually like one of the horses that is coming out of the race behind him too, who got in trouble. Spirit Maker. Um, Spirit Maker is one that I'm probably going to throw into some of the early pick five. So his debut, he wins going long at Aqueduct for Pletcher. Then he changes barns. He comes into the uh, the Sadler barn, and on July the seventeenth, it wasn't that bad of an effort. He like sort of like what you were saying before with uh, with Dicey Mochara's race was one of them. He was sort of rank. He just didn't really seem like he was all that comfortable, and he actually ran okay. He came back <clears throat> last time out in October, so he didn't run from October July to October. And he was in really tight early. He was up in between. He was in the second flight. He was favored that day. He, yes, he, he was. He backed out of a spot, and then he was back to the third flight. And then he was again in between horses. And he just, it, honestly, it wasn't the greatest ride. Rispoli is a very good turf rider. Everybody has bad rides. Everybody's going to have probably more bad rides than good rides. And and he is now going to get a very, very good Turf rider in Lescano to jump aboard Really kind of underrated But one of the best and when you think of him you really Think particularly turf And and, and in a situation like this Right trying to get a horse who maybe Is a little quirky he's been rank And then he got in some trouble again last time out But we've seen what he's capable Of doing when things go well And I wonder if people may just forget A little bit about him because he, He this is a good race it's a deep Field but I think there's something there He might be a nice Fun horse to throw in your pick fives Or if you're going to play Dicey Mochara And you do think that one is a a standout Make sure to definitely throw the nine Spirit Maker as an underneath horse As uh, any others um, As pricey or uh, others that you took a look at In here Well it's funny you mentioned that Because on the top of each page I kind of talk Put down you know notes or three horses I wanted to talk about And in order I have six Nine (laughs) One yeah, and I and and my my notes on Spirit Maker is a lot of what you just said. First of all, no visual excuse last time out, but it was off of a layoff. The horse was favored, like you said, kind of ran a little, little excuse early, like you said, in tight early. But I think first of all, second of all, lightly raced, and you know, this time second off the layoff, I think behind. The five appreciated and the, and the seven via Ignatia, I guess you would pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Spirit Maker's probably going to get sit really nice trip third, third and get and get first run on everybody else. I love that. And, That's the trip and, I'm projecting. And correct. And the last thing I mentioned on, on my notes was the price will be right because I think this is going to be the horse that everyone's going to forget about. They see that last race, they don't notice the beaten favorite status. Very lightly race. I think this this horse moves up uh, quite a bit, and I think could get a um, a, a perfect trip here at a big price. Yep. And then the you third, hit the same. Third, yeah, you hit the same then, three. One fast pro. Go ahead on. Uh, go ahead on him. One fast pro would be the other one. Um, you know, this horse always runs his race. If you look down, there's really one one bad race in the entire bunch, and other than that, 
This horse hits the board every single time. Ran against a couple tough ones, evening sun and subconscious the last two times out. Yep. Um, the only thing maybe that concerns me is this horse will need some pace to run at. Uh, but I think with uh, the, the five and seven, the, the pace should be good enough. And this horse will come running late. So I'm yep. six, six over nine, one, six over one, nine. The only other horse I thought was a little interesting. I mean, there, there are a couple other ones, even like the, the seven, it depends sure. on the pace, right? Sure. Absolutely. Um, and, because stretching and, back out, you know, right. could get a yeah. little, the speed sharpened up a little bit from that six and a half race. Now you're back on the lead again. I can, that's, I had them stacked just like that. I have nine, six, uh, nine, six, seven, one, and kind of the, you know, the nine is the price horse to maybe include along six is absolutely the one to beat Dicey Mochara. And then depending on the pace, you know, the seven is, uh, is probably one that if you're playing, you know, exact as try super stuff like that, you, you definitely want her in the, you want him in the mix because if for some reason he breaks on top of appreciated or one of the two of them don't go, I, I get the feeling via Ignatia is probably a little faster than appreciated. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think, um, but you know, another thing, like we said is we're, we are doing this on Wednesday. Yep. We Delmar just started as we are talking right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to keep an eye this entire week on how the, the, the courses track, are playing, which could switch, but especially how the turf course is playing. Right. Because last meet, there was a very, uh, there, there was a big bias early mm-hmm. in the meet and couldn't uh, pass. Couldn't it's sometimes it was really hard to come from way back. You had yes. to be really close. D- that track will get, because of the way where it is, the location next to the the beach and the ocean, that the weather is a little different, and that the weather flips when the cloud come in, and then the tracks change really quickly too. The way no they're question. playing, you know. So it's just one thing you want to just give yourself as much information leading up. You know, again, we're recording early, so we'll you know again by Saturday when we talk in the morning on the on the radio show, we'll have a better idea of if there was anything weird happening on Friday, as a. Uh, we jump in to race number two. We actually have a couple graded stakes races that lead us into the Philly and Mayor Sprint. The first one is a, a long distance race here. We've got the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. We don't have too many <laughs> races like this. No, we do not. Nowadays, you know, where they're going this long. And so that's what this is. This is an old school type of race where, you know, San Juan Capistrano and there's a few of them, the Tokyo out in Southern California that we know, but there are just so few true, true distance races that it makes them hard to handicap because there isn't a lot of form for these horses doing it. And they don't do it all that often. Um, A couple that I, you know, Lone Rock got in, got incredibly sharp. At, at this sort of long, long distance uh, division, and Diodoro is someone who can get a horse really, really good off the claim and 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 keep him good, and that's what's happened with Lone Rock. He lost his last race to locally owned, who I've always thought was pretty talented, and he he did you know a, a pretty smart thing and just kind of made a nice middle move early in a race to to try to go and open up. the The one that I, I'm kind of intrigued by, Chappie here, is uh, Cupid's Claws. Yes, um, yes, you know, he's he's coming back to the dirt now. Um, and this is a horse who his dirt form is actually pretty good. When you look at the last races he came he comes out of, well, yeah, he was in the Pacific Classic. He was he was against a lot of horses that you you know were, were more uh, Breeders' Cup Classic types. Prior to that, the Cougar, when behind Tiz Magician, is great. And and in most races, in in cases where there are small fields and they're going long, Tiz Magician will always have an advantage over him tactically. 
But in this particular race, there are a couple that I think will will push his magician a little bit and make him have to work harder than he would like, including Lone Rock, who's not he's not you know he can be right up there and, and press and make you work. Locally owned is going to make a middle move into it, and then Zestville, Zestville, if he's in this race, he's going to be a major pace. So again, that's something you got to keep an eye on because the presence of a horse like Zestville, who I believe is entered in the race on Friday, uh, if he's in here, then. He's going to make things difficult on Tiz Magician. Then that makes me upgrade some of those races that Cupid's Claws was behind him. And I, you got an aggressive jock jumping aboard with Luis Saez. And another key, too, that people don't realize that might not watch the circuits out here as well, right? So, of course, you have to take a look at, like you said, Lone Rock and Tiz Magician. You know, they both, Tiz Magician likes. Uh, Del Mar hit the board five of seven times. It's Richard Mandela, who we know. Always has them right ready to to run their peak on the big ones on, on the big yep. days. Yep. Flavian Pratt, of course, is aboard again. He knows this horse. He has actually sat off the pace before. Tis a magician seems like a need to lead type, but as in the past, sat just off Lone Rock, like you said, and locally owned. They're they're the only two horses you could say that have won in a mile and five sixteenths, which we we rarely ever see. And the other one that you said, and, a, and a key, another key here with Cupid's Claw is second time Peter Miller. Yep. People, people don't realize Peter Miller thrives not in Southern California, of course, anywhere, but he thrives at Del Mar. He yep. trains locally. His horses are at San Luis Rey Downs, which is right there. And when he wins in bunches, mo- mostly it's at Del Mar. And yep. I think that's a giant angle with Cupid's claw. And like you said, uh, a, a jockey, they'll probably put this horse a little bit more in the race and which he's done have a lot of pace to run, at. which is what Pratt had been doing with him before, right? You look at the way that he was ridden by Mike, who, who generally will take horses back and make that kind of run versus what Pratt was doing earlier when he won the Tokyo city going a mile and a half at Santa Anita, you know, and, and, Got a really nice figure that day He won that by 7 He beat Tiz a magician Because it was a, a trip that was just a little bit more beneficial to him And he wasn't way out of it Last time out he was 15 lengths off And he was 3 deep towards the rear He angled out wide as the ball He closed really well He wasn't even beaten 2 lengths Behind really nice horses United and Acclimate are in the Breeders' Cup So from a class standpoint He fits From a Well he's won in a similar spot on the dirt He fits like you said, Peter Miller now has had an opportunity to, to get him figured out after having him in his barn for, uh, you know, probably a couple months. He's at least had him for a race now and then a month to figure him out after the race, right? That's the key now. You ran him. Now, how does he come back? What does he look like? Now, where do we go? Okay, he decides, yeah, this is a good spot. Let's go back to the dirt here. I like him quite a bit in this spot. The number three, Cupid's Claws. Uh, yeah, we hit on Lone Rock a little. We hit on Tiz Magician, who's no doubt going to be tough. Like he, he'll be tough. He can sit a little bit. No question. But I right. like him better when he's winging it out front. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just seems he doesn't seem like when he sits and he has to kind of turn it off for a little bit. He doesn't kind of turn it on all the way back again. You know, no, some right. horses right. are kind of like that where it's hard for me, man. I can stay up all day and all night. It's if I take a nap for a little bit, then sometimes it's hard to get me back. I'm better off if I don't sleep. You know, I'm better off just staying up all the way through. I think sometimes you want to you want to keep them cruising. And uh yeah, the pace scenario in these longer races are are always always the key. If one horse the goes one, out and walks, then it's you know, it changes everything. And the one thing you said you have to keep in mind besides the Mandela factor and the Pratt factor for Tis a magician is 
just who Tis the Magician has been facing. I mean, yep. You, yep. you know, Medina's spirit last time was actually turned into a, an absolute monster. Triple mm-hmm. E ran the, ran the race of his life at the Pacific Classic, and he was in the Breeders' Cup Classic this year. Then Tis a Magician rips off a couple other wins and actually loses to Lone Rock. So, And to be um, honest, he's you know, not as good going a little shorter either. Because Correct. then he doesn't get to take advantage of that speed as much because a horse like Medina Spirit is way is like faster than him, yes, and yes. sitting off of them isn't is like we were just saying it's not his best trip. So when he when he still runs well against those horses, it's it's at distances that really aren't at his best either. You know, no it's just like hey, I'm going to take a shot in those races because that's the big one, and we actually can compete with those horses. Mine as well, um, but. This is where he's better We'll just see if he gets the kind of trip he needs In a fun distance race Yeah, we don't get to talk about these too many Anything else you want to mention before we move on to the third? No, I mean, yeah. that, that, you know, like you said Locally owned, I guess you, you because Just because the horse ran One at this odd distance You know, it's worth taking a look at So, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel here I was the two favorites um, You know, any, any horse that's won Seven of its last nine races Like Lone Rock and then uh, the two prices locally owned at Cupid's Claw, both at six to one, are the interesting ones. We move to the third and final of the undercard races on Breeders' Cup Saturday before the uh, Breeders' Cup races start in the fourth. We have a, a good one here with the Grade Two Gold Decova. They'll be going a mile on the turf course. Princess Grace has won six of seven races, and in her lone defeat, she finished second. You've got Going Global, who's turned into just an excellent three-year-old filly. She has beaten. All of the the top fillies out here She won the grade one Delmar Oaks Last time out And there are some strong horses In this group There's not that much speed in here No What are are some of your first thoughts And glances in the Gold Cova It looks like it's going to go through One of those two favorites Um, They're both tactical Princess Grace can be up closer than, Than normal Last time I came from off the pace Kentucky Downs Kind of such an odd track anyways uh, DeSormo had the horse in a perfect spot In the yellow ribbon Which is important because this horse has one at Del Mar You know the, the, It was absolutely loaded but, but but a seam opened up perfectly On the turn You couldn't ask for a better trip When they turned for home He looked like he was going behind a, a wall of horses And two of them just opened up Just enough for him to shoot right through And Princess Grace won like a good thing So obviously she's super live Going global the three-year-old, but she just does nothing wrong. Pratt always seems to have him in the right spot. You know, once again, if there is any speed, the horse that I keep going back to that, that that's kind of hit or miss is Boda Cheetah. There's mm-hmm. probably not enough pace. I think with Rosario up, no matter what the pace is, this horse needs to just sit, 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 and make one Late run Yep, because he gets caught up Or she gets caught up sometimes trying to go Get a little start and stoppy She can't do that She's just got to wait and make one run I don't think she can get going multiple times Which has happened to her there Um, And and I agree with you This feels like Princess Grace and Going Global 
Are the two to beat you mentioned Bodhisattva who is another one who I had right underneath And the only horse you didn't mention who I'm going to use Sort of if, if in a pick five situation Which maybe not the smartest thing to do But the way I'll approach the, the pick five Is I'm going to single in the next race I'm going to single against Gamin with, with CC. So my approach is just kind of I want to make sure I get through this race too Because I'm going to try to take a big shot against a big favorite I think a lot of people will probably be singling in the next race 90% Right so yeah. the five Epidemia's girl she I've chased her A few times because I've wanted her to Be on the lead in some spots when She she didn't really Get that kind of trip and She showed speed two starts Back last time she showed a little more Tactical speed she was inside tracking And she was up she was in tight She was up on the heels going into the turn And she just didn't like it down inside at all She was not comfortable and she just backed up out of there She ran into a sharp horse named England Rose Who is legitimately mm-hmm. like a graded stakes type horse Just because that was the swing time stakes That's a really nice horse that she ran into that day And now we get that aggressive jockey again Luis Saez jumping back aboard I think he's going to look around up and down the field and go Yeah, let's put her on the front end Why not? She's naturally quicker than probably everyone else in here I, and I, I, I couldn't agree more And the one thing about that is you're you're going to have a horse that's going to get completely overlooked Yep. that you're going to look up and this horse might go the half on the lead in 49 and one. And, yep. and you'll take your chances from there mm-hmm. at 25 to one or whatever you're going to get on Epidemia's girl. So I hook her up with the two chalks that I think are tough in exotics. I play, I play this race like five, two, seven. In, in most of my exotics I throw a Bodhisattva underneath in some And then the other horse who I really do respect And I'll probably use in, in some way Shape or form just because I said the way my approach Is going to be in this early sequence is the One Zofel yeah. she, she is Very good when you know when she's Right and she's a nice a nice miler The problem is that she just might Not get the I don't think there's that much speed In here so I, I I'm a little bit worried because she sometimes just drops way out of it and it's stone cold closer where you have like Princess Grace and going global they've at least shown that they're more tactical and they can make early moves and and I I'm a little like Pratt in general I just he's got such a good clock in his head I, I'm always trusting him sort of in situations that may not have pace because he usually knows and doesn't drop himself twenty out of it you know right the only thing about Sofell is maybe I mean maybe being fresh. Having not run since June might be a little bit more keen to go a little bit early and sit a little bit closer to what we both think is going to be a dawdling pace, to say the least, in here. So um, maybe, like you said, if Epidemia's girl can steal it, if not, it looks pretty chalky with a couple of horses who are just in such good form and both have tactical speed with DeSormo, who's kind of been revitalized, and Flavian Pratt. Who no matter what the pace is Always seems to have his horses in the right spot All the way around the track And he, he, he five, five steps out of the gate I haven't seen many better than reading What is going on nope. And changing tactics And putting completely them agree. where they need to be yeah. he, He's done it he'll, he'll change the horse's tactics completely for that race Because that's what you need to do to win sometimes He's in it to win it That's how I want the, the jockeys that I'm investing my money to, to think And I know you can just I don't know him. I've never talked to him in that sense. I just know he thinks that way. You can just tell. They just—he's—he's he's a competitive guy who wants to win all the time, and uh, he shows it with the way he rides. And it could be a very big weekend for him. Breeders' Cup weekend. This is the the third race, the Gold Akova, and that will lead you into the fourth, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, and we will have. Analysis on each of the Breeders' Cup races from a different guest. Following this, uh, Chappie 
We're going to be talking some Breeders' Cup on Saturday morning with you. Had a lot of fun doing some work with you at Santa Anita, um, uh, doing some of those uh, prop uh, pick'em contests. They were a lot of fun uh, getting people to to jump in. I was getting great feedback. People loved them. They were they were a blast. And now the the focus shifts to Del Mar for about six weeks, and then racing will resume and come back to Santa Anita, where you now work and where. Now with the way the uh, the Southern California racing circuit is, it it comes back for quite a while uh, from uh, the day after Christmas all the way into into June, um, it, which is it's just nice. It it's the 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 real home and the real hub of Southern California racing now. Yeah, it's you know it's right now it's kind of nice to uh, we get that month meet and then you we yes I'm working all the time but you get a little bit of break I get a little time to to really take a deep dive into Del Mar. And then we start planning. And then, like you said, the day after Christmas, it, it, it is on. And that's when our six-month grind comes. But uh, you and I both love what we do every day. And you you became much uh, bigger part of the what we've been doing over here at Santa Anita. I'm sure we're going to con- continue some of those things when the meet starts uh, back the day after Christmas. So looking forward great. to it. And, yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to for you to be on Saturday so we can kind of see what happens uh, and have a little bit better idea of how. The and track one more time, where do we uh, where do we find that? Where we can where you can listen to that? If you're in in Southern California, you can listen to that on the radio. You can listen to it anywhere online, and, and tell us all the different places again, Chappie. So so it's on AM eight thirty. If you're in Southern California, AM eight thirty dot net. If you're on the computer, or if you want to go to Facebook Live, Instagram Live, or Twitter Live, it's tm at tml am eight thirty tml am eight thirty live. Eight to nine Pacific, and we're going to have we're going to have uh, uh, Benny South Street from Trip Note Pros. We've got you on there. We've got Jonathan Kitchen coming on, and many of our regular guests. So it's going to be picks galore, and Seminar Skip, as you know, does uh, a ton of work. Oh like yeah, we all do looking at replays, and uh, and then Hal's going to give us some chalk. And Hal will <laughs> will give us some nonsense chalk and, uh, and give whoever's favored by seventeen and a half of the NFL, and then none of us will listen to him. But everybody else, it's going to be a terrific show. And you know, I always love being on with you, buddy. Oh, I do. I love having you, and I love uh, being on the show with you too. Thank you so much. It's been a it's been a blast uh, getting to to work a, a lot more with you uh, over the last few months, and look forward to more in the future. And uh, I'll be with you bright and early Saturday morning. You can give Chappie a follow also on social media. And uh, what's what's your uh, your Twitter? It's just I, at I'm, it's at Horse Chappy. There we go. C H A P P Y at Horse Chappy. And then on uh, on Instagram, I'm Chappy Cubs fan. So Perfect. Can't. Yep. Got the got the All love right, for the Cubs. There is the the good good to see the Braves beat those cheating little Astros last night. I love seeing that. I love you know, seeing. <laughs> and I love I love you know I'm a big Freddie Freeman fan. Me too. I, He's just a and, good dude. He's a good dude, and I love Jorge Soler, who was a a cubby of course yeah. and uh just a really quiet great dude and he showed up and won mvp and i loved every minute of it so um you know gino thanks for having me on and best of luck to all the players these are the days you can make some giant scores so oh, yeah. listen to everybody do your homework and uh hope everybody the best of luck Thanks so much, Chappie. We'll be uh, following along and uh, tuning in on Saturday morning. You go give uh, Chappie a follow there on social media. But don't go anywhere, folks. The Breeders' Cup races start next. Great stuff from Chappie. And I uh, always love catching up with Chappie. Looking forward to uh, talking some racing su- Saturday morning. Saturday morning, 
with Chappie. Make sure to tune in as we will be uh, getting you set up bright and early for the Breeders' Cup. So just a little recap on those first couple races. In race number one, uh, I did think Dicey Mochara is the one to beat. The nine Spirit Maker might be the one to bet if I can get anything over five to one or so on that one. I had him stacked nine, six, seven via Ignatia, who I think is probably the best suited of the speeds. The one the one fast bro will also be in some exotics there in race number one. As we move along to race number two, the grade two distance race, the uh Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. I like Cupid's Claws quite a bit. If we can get anything over 7-2 to there, I'm going to make a win wager. I had the 3 stacked over the 4. Tis a magician who will likely be forwardly placed in here. And uh, hopefully he can win the battle and win the war. And uh, underneath the 2, Lone Rock, who is the measuring stick at a level like this. He's no doubt the one they'll all have to beat. Locally owned, who was impressive going the distance, uh, a distance last time out in defeating Lone Rock. He's worth some inclusion also. I had him stacked 3, 4, 2, 6 in race number 2 there at Del Mar on Saturday. And in the Goldacova, the final of the Breeders' Cup undercard races, which is race number 3. I did think the 5, Epidemia's Girl, should be sending with Saez. There is not another... Really quick runner in this field I think the game plan has to be to go So I'm going to use the 5 along with The 2 Logicals The 2 Princess Grace And the 7 going global In a lot of the exotics And hope that Epidemia's gal Can uh, can do her best on the front end Hit the board And spice up some of those exo- those exotics We'll use her in the, uh, the multi-race exotics also If you wanted to go a little deeper I mean you can make cases for many Zofel I like I just... I'm not sure if she will get the kind of trip that she needs. The one, uh, the number six in here, Bodhisita, is another one who I very much respect her talent, but not sure if the race shape will be to her liking. Abscond is a grade one winner, but is 0-4 the last 10 and isn't exactly a win machine right now. But as far as numbers and figures, she does fit in this spot in a good renewal of the grade two Goldacova, which goes as race number three on Saturday. Over at Del Mar, we are now going to move into the Breeders' Cup portion of this episode. And uh, we will talk race number four, the Philly and Mare Turf with Dave Handelin. Before we do, I want to talk a little bit about a sponsor of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website is C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. And as a full-service realtor, that means she can help you out in many different ways, like buying selling, leasing. She can help you out if uh, maybe you just want uh, some some folks that can help you with home improvement. She will connect you with the right kind of vendors, landscapers, painters, uh, gardeners that she's used in her own homes. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a loan. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders, people that she knows that will make things very easy for you and take care of that process. Maybe you're just curious at seeing how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. We're talking about Del Mar. Yep, she's got everything taken care of for you in North San Diego County and up here in the San Gabriel Valley. Anything around Santa Anita, she's going to take care of for you also. CindyCarava.com is that website. You can check out all of her listings, uh, former projects. And folks, this is not something 
that is uh, the most fun. It's stressful when you have to relocate, when you have to worry about moving your home, when you have to think about um, everything that goes into renovation or upgrading. Let Cindy take care of that stuff for you. She is the kindest and most genuine person you will ever meet. I've known her for over a decade. She's going to make your life so much easier. CindyCarava.com. Check out that website. We're going to check out race number four now. I mentioned this in the intro. So Dave jumped on with me, and we discussed race number four, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint on Tuesday. And probably about an hour after we we had our conversation, we got the news that Estilio Talentoso is going to be scratched out of the Philly and Mare Sprint. So an already short field that was only a field of six is now down to a field of five. So it doesn't... Really, the reason why I decided to leave the conversation is because from a pace standpoint, it doesn't really impact a lot of what we were saying. We sort of liked Estilio Talentoso as a horse who could could benefit, in particular Dave did, as a horse who could benefit from the quick pace. It wasn't as if she was going to be involved in that quick pace. So I do think we could still see that quick pace unfold if Gamine ends up getting you know hooked by either Bella Sophia Edgeway or combinations of both of them And if that's the case Then I think it's even more likely that it's CC the one who takes the most advantage So what will end up happening CC will get bet a little bit more Everybody's price will be a little shorter Because of Estilio Talento So we'll never know if she was good enough to win or, or run really well in this particular race But she wasn't going to be A part of the pace So I don't know how much it changes the complexion Of the race early on We'll talk about this one now With Dave Handelin Kick back and enjoy as we go race by race Starting with the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint Breeders' Cup portion of the Saturday card. We're going to get into the first Breeders' Cup race for Saturday. It is the Philly and Mare Sprint. And joining me to talk about that one is going to be a little different than our more recent conversation, Dave. Uh, we were joking. It's like we, when we talk NBA, we have, we have our marathon shows where we'll go on for like two, two and a half hours. We only have six horses in this in this race to discuss. I feel like uh, I need to, you know, th- throw some more NBA discussion on for you and I. It's like we're not going to know what to do with this short segment. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of filler in here. <laughs> exactly, right? But uh, yeah, that normally when you know when the SAP Breeders' Cup comes along, we have huge, massive fields in, in every division. But this year, there are a couple races where there are a little bit shorter fields, and the the race we're gonna talk about. It, there's a very polarizing horse in here in Gamine, in that she's a horse who. Has multiple times been involved in races where she was disqual, she won the race but was disqualified, or she had some sort of a, a post-race positive test pop up. And we know Baffert's had that um, issue this year again with Medina Spirit. There have been recent things that have happened over the last few years, so she's become this real sort of like polarizing horse that a lot of people just didn't even want to line up to to. Face because she's very very fast And she can kind of run you off your feet Gamines had issues <laughs> Wait no you're right I, I, I forgot I, I should have let you know about this before we were going to talk I don't have Twitter right? I haven't seen anything What's <laughs> happened to this thing <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah This is about as polarizing as a horse With a trainer right? as, you can, as you can potentially line up and <laughs> It's true it I, is true Yeah I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those things like it's it's probably a whole different podcast for you, 
that you could do, but like just with the whole Baffert and with the decision the Breeders' Cup made, and like does his does his having horses in here does that does that increase handle or does that do negative harm? Like this that's race what you probably wonder, because turns up much different. There's at least three or four in. more that I could think of off the top of my head that would have shown up if she's not in here, right? You get at least a field of ten to twelve, and yeah, what what that's the thing. It's, I think it's a combination for a lot of people who, if you're a trainer or an owner and you've, you know, faced this horse once or twice or multiple times and you've had to run likely for second and you've just been then also ran in those races and races where she gets out front, she dominates. And then we find out a month, two months, six months, you know, down the line that she was, you know, her performance was enhanced. It it probably leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth If you're an owner or a trainer or someone who feels like Well, I, I mean, I've, I've done this before Am I going to try to do the same thing again? I know, I think the connections of one of the horses like Be- Named Bell's the One Decided that they're going to point to run a race At uh, Churchill Oh, hi Milo, Milo's in the background See, he doesn't hey, even Milo. like the he doesn't even like the Kameen race he, He's a little, he's cranky, you know <laughs> But, but um, y- you wonder, you know was it better for a horse to go in a race where they're going to be odds on and run for two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars than have to ship run in a race where maybe they're just chasing a horse and they're going to try to finish second or third, but you have to deal with the ship. You have to deal with a lot of other things. I, I guess it just depends on on you know who you are as a trainer as an owner because I, I can understand why people who have been in that situation may have just said I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and I guess it comes down to the ownership groups of like, hey, have you ever had a horse in the Breeders' Cup? Here's all right. Here's a legit chance we have in the Breeders' Cup. Let's go there. Let's live the experience and see it. Especially after last year and a more normal Breeders' Cup this year, it feels like. So it's yeah, it it's it sucks that it comes down to this, but it's the right. It's the hand we're dealt. So exactly. So we play it, and that's the one thing when when you're gambling when. Right, we all have biases in sports. Heck, I'm a Laker fan. Everybody hates the Lakers. I know what it's like, right? I know, I understand, and I like, I hate the Celtics, you know, and I, I totally get it. But when you're gambling, you got to put that stuff aside. There might be a jockey that maybe you don't love, or there might be a trainer that, for whatever reason, or even a particular horse that cost you money last time. But you have to look at each race individually. This race, you got to treat. If you want to make money, if you want to do the best you can, you have to treat it and try to take your biases out of it. We're only human. We can only do so much. But like you said, how you feel about the whole situation of Gamine being in this race and the horses being allowed to run, that's a that's a podcast or that's a, a article and a completely different conversation. Now we're talking and and for the record, I agree and think that I would have preferred until things are very much more cleared up If we wouldn't have had the Baffert horses to deal with Because now it throws a weird wrench into it Because now these Baffert horses are going to be getting extra scrutiny Yeah <laughs> Which I thought was weird So it's like, don't worry We we take we we take everything seriously But now we're going we're gonna to take those courses even more serious That just sort of felt weird, right? It's like, it's like, so you're telling me before You weren't paying that much attention Now you are more Or I don't know, just Sound of like a, a funny response But now you wonder, you know like A horse like Gamine or some of the other Baffert horses If they have to do A couple things that are outside of their routine Maybe that Impacts them negatively and they're going to be Short prices like, are, like, with the, I'm not an expert on the out of Race testing that they're They're doing and the extra scrutiny on his horses But 
if like Gamin is being kind of given a needle every day to like draw for substances, I don't know that Isn't probably that... affects. I know if, I, right? if I'm a human, I'm, I'm being poked for something every day. Would Just... be. Right, we you you see the basketball players every day. They get the, their routine, right? They show yeah. up same time. They get it down. They know what they're doing. They know when they when they stretch. Then they work. Then this and so Gamine and a lot of his horses have their um, routine on on race day. They have their routine when it's training day to practice. They sort of understand when oh what this means and what this means. Yeah. So when you're talking about a horse who's going to be an extremely short price. So for those of you following along, we are going to jump into Saturday, November the 6th, fourth race. We're looking at the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint and this is the first of the Breeders' Cup races on Saturday after the uh, the 300 card races to kick off the Del Mar Saturday card. So we're into race number 4 and Gamine will be no doubt one of the shortest price, most likely the shortest price favorite all weekend long, but I do honestly think Dave in this race that it's it's just a small field. There are maybe two other horses in here who could at least make things difficult on her early in this race. No, I I, I think they're going to keep working. Like Luis Saez, Bella Sofia is probably the same horse, right? Was the number six. Yep. Rudy Rodriguez mm-hmm. shipping it from from Belmont, mm-hmm. leaving New York, uh, leaving New York for the first time. Five career races, four for five. Now ready to take on Gamin, three year old versus a four year old. In a sprint, but I, I think Luis Saez is—he'll be one to try to put the pressure on Gamine and dare her to keep on going. And I, th- I guess I think Gamine, right? It's Gamine's first start at Delmar. Delmar can have some funky things with the surface, so mm-hmm. Bill Sophia Gamine are each doing that. Bill Sophia, at least Rudy, has Rudy Shipper over there early and has a work on the track, so getting used to it a little bit like that. But I don't know, Gamine, Gamine with racing on Delmar could be. That could be something right there. So I, I think people are either going to solo Gamine or they're going to play probably two or three, four and hope to beat her. And people probably aren't going to play Gamine with two others here. No, 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 no. And she's, she hasn't been quite just like on speed figures and stuff. Last year, she seemed like she was a little bit better than she's been this year, a little bit more like dominant in some of her races. Um, and I think because of where she's drawn, you know, you've got she's drawn. It's just a field of of six, but Bella Sophia is drawn to her outside, and then even a horse like Edgeway. And I've been getting the, the so Edgeway faced Gamine on July the fifth at Los Alamitos in the Great Lady M, and Edgeway just missed the break that day. And I don't know if Edgeway was ever going to beat Gamine or anything like that. But what ended up happening is she got stuck inside. And was trying to press Gamine from the inside And then at Los Alamitos The way that the track is You get really tight at the rail When they start to turn And horses just get shuffled That's what ended up happening to Edgeway Again, I don't know if she's good enough to win She came back and won the Rancho Bernardo after I just got a feeling They're going to at least try to make life more difficult on Gamine And I think as a fan That's really all I want in this race If Gamine wins the race I hope she had at least got pressure from Bella Sophia and or Edgeway, and then yep. she was able to kick on and prove that she was best. I don't like it as a fan and as a gambler. It leaves such a bad taste in my mouth when a horse just cruises to an easy lead and opens up because you just it's like, oh, really? Nobody else even wanted to to take a shot there. Yeah, like look like most of her running line, she's got like the length lead by like first or second call, and it's like, all right, well, we know how this race is going to end. We've read this book, so yes. If somebody keeps her honest, and 
I, I know you said Edgeway there. I, I almost think for the with the seven furlongs, we'll see. And it's not by any means like the sexiest trainer and the most well known trainer, but that the two is still Talentoso. This is like, an honest horse. No, no, it, it's still your Talentoso. You're right. Um, she, she's I, I so for, honest. For possible closer like that one. There's there could be these. They could all just cook themselves up front, especially especially if it's a three horse pace battle. If Edgeway stays in there. If Gamine, Bell, Sophia, and Edgeway are all there, this thing might completely collapse. It and could. Then, I mean, it does, and that's the thing. In in that's how you have to play races out, especially short fields like this. In your head, what what are the versions of this race? I see, right? Okay, yeah, there are versions of the race where maybe Gamine just crushes, goes, nobody goes with her, and she crushes the field. But there are definitely at least some versions of this race where the, the riders like Saez and um, and on Edgeway. Uh, Joel just say hey you know what We're not going to let her have it easy here And if they all go Then we're looking at Well three other horses right we, you, You've got proud Emma You've got uh, CC and you've got Estilio Talentoso And I think proud Emma Is probably up against it A little bit like I don't know if she's Quite good enough To win this race I, I think CC is absolutely good enough to win And I think Estulio Talentoso At the 7 furlong trip If they go quick enough She absolutely could fall into the right kind of trip To win or finish second And really spice things up So to me those are the two horses in this race If you're looking to play it If you're either trying to beat Gamine I, I don't know if Like Bella Sophia is really good But if she I can see her making the race hard on Gamine But I don't know if I can see her like battling Gamine, putting Gamine away, and then holding off Cece or holding off Estilio Talentoso. That's so. That's what. Like, I think if I'm looking to try to beat Gamine, I'm probably looking for a horse that's going to come from off the pace. Yep. I, like Bella Sofia has got may, maybe next year in Bella Sofia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yes. going to be a lot of a lot of work, right? When you go, you're a three year old leaving New York for the first time. You're taking on far and away the best horse you've ever taken on. Like, yep. Sorry, Lady Rockets, who were sensational. You feel the four last time out. Yeah, you're well, just this is, this is was all right, but this is a this is a different beast. So Bella Sophia is going to re- go over there and grind away and hopefully wear down Gamine, and then that's when the others step in. Yep. But yeah, like I like Bella Sophia. If Gamine wasn't in this race, I think totally agree. But and I I like her. Like I'm glad she's in the race because I at least feel like there are. A, Couple now that have an opportunity to To soften up Gamine Like you said in so many of her races You look at the past performances right away And you just kind of go oh, You kind of like roll your eyes a little bit Because you can tell on paper You, you don't even really get mad at the uh, the jockeys Or the connection sometimes because like oh there are four other horses In this race with Gamine and none of them are even Close to two lengths Like they, they, they don't even They can shove as hard as they want and they're not going to keep up with her yeah. Um, at least a horse like Bella Sophia and maybe even Edgeway, if they're asked and if they like, I feel like if they're in this race, they're in here to say like, "Hey, we're not really that scared of you." You know, yep. they're they're the types that are saying, "We think we can beat you. We think we can compete with you." That's, I mean, that's kind of my attitude as a gambler always, right? I feel like I, I say this because I don't, I don't have the horses, so I feel like I would be what? one of the horse, one one of them in here taking a shot against them. But did you know that I've gambled a few times in my life, Dave? I, I've heard, I've heard. I was gonna say, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you if you know that I've made a bet or two, but uh, yeah, you just um, you feel for me, I just feel like if if Gamine gets beat, it's probably because 
the other speed horses and Gamine got caught up. And if that's the case, you know, you mentioned Estelio Talentoso. She's really honest, like so honest. If you put a line through the race, two starts back at the ballerina when she had a bad beginning, when she hit the gate, and then she ends up, you know, fading late. And she actually still, from just like a pure speed figure standpoint, she still ran pretty well that day. Other than that, I mean, She's got a, a lot more runner-ups than she does wins, but she shows up all the time, and that gen like that happens with fillies that have her running style in races that she's in. She's always going to be in a race where she catches a horse or two that might just be faster than her, and they win those races. But when she gets the right kind of a a field with that kind of a trip that could play out for her, I completely agree with you, and I'm glad you mentioned her because she to me is a, a very Interesting horse to try to maybe use in an Exacta in a try and if you're not Playing Gamine if your approach to this Race is yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna Play an early pick five or something and, uh, and I'm gonna play against Gamine I recommend Throwing Estelio Talentoso in I really would like don't go too deep or Three deep or play against Gamine and Not include her because she could Really be the benefit at the You mentioned the seven furlongs doesn't it feel perfect? She's never run a bad race at seven furlongs. She always runs, even the race where she was fifth, she did not run a bad race. She she did really well even after trouble. Yep. In her four-year-old campaign, this is going to be her ninth race. And that's going to be her ninth different track she's going to be racing at this year. Like, so, she, uh, getting accustomed to the new track. She, that's a, she that's a great places, point. And although she doesn't win, Every she doesn't win a ton. She she runs competitive at different tracks, different situations, different layouts. So shipping and handling a new surface like Delmar probably is not going to be an issue for her. I wouldn't think because this is all this horse has done in 2021. Is hey, what's this plot? All right, Laurel, I'll give it a shot. See what happens. Keelan, yeah. yeah, the Dolphin. race at Churchill earlier in the year too. Win behind Gamine. She yep. wasn't that far behind Gamine. She was she was beating a couple lengths in a race that shaped up much better on paper for Gamine, uh, I think, than this one does with a couple other speeds. Um, uh, yeah, Estelio Talentoso and and Cece for me are the ones that I, I'm, you know, and and I'm looking at this race going, okay, it's early on the card, it's not going to be. They did it on purpose to try to keep it away from I think the pick six and some of the other really really bigger. Later yep. Breeders Cup pool So this will be in the early pick five You know if you're playing an early Breeders Cup pick five Or I think there's a Breeders Cup pick four That starts right here And for me the approach is like you said It's it's about ticket con- construction too You're going to single Gamine And move along or you're going to Play against Gamine and use a couple others And it's just so much more intriguing To you know for me Looking at this race Thinking, yeah, maybe we play CC and Talentoso, or maybe we play, you know, you know, one of them and the speed of Bella Sophia, and we give ourselves a couple opportunities to beat Gamine, and I, that's just a much like there are great Breeders' Cup races, there are great races all day on Friday and Saturday. I'm I'm not ex- all that excited to want to go in and bet this filly at a really really short price. If you love some of the races around her. And you like other big prices Then sure like you said single solo her You can move on but Everybody else will probably be doing that Might be fun to try to play at least some Some pick threes or some small tickets Where you take a shot against her mm-hmm. For sure and I, I think I think you, you hit it earlier there I think the early pick five at Delmar is something like it's the 15% Takeout on the early one right the, the, It's the better one yeah exactly 
It's 23 on the late one and the early one is a good 15 one. They try to sneaky they try to get you on that because then you yep. just think, "Oh yeah, it's going to be a nope, it's a, the late one's much worse and that's the one that everybody wants to get into because it's got all the Breeders' Cup races in it." But you're right, maybe you take a a pick 5 approach, you know, like we we talk about this all the time with um, you know, like multiple Tickets, multiple swings. Maybe you like Amin, or you, if you don't like Amin, you play against her. Maybe you play one ticket where you're like, yeah, okay, I'll single her, and then I'll play, you know, my bombs that I like in the races around. Maybe you say, you know what, I'll just kind of play a couple of the other horses I like in those races, and I'll shorten up in this. But there are, I don't think Dave or I would never just tell you, hey, go bet a bunch of money on a short price Amin on a Breeders' Cup day like that, because there are a lot of other ways to either bet this race or bet some of the other races than just saying. Hey, she's a, a chalk and let's move on And I honestly, Dave I don't think this is as easy of a spot for her Based on some, like, just the presence of Bella Sophia And maybe even Edgeway Than we've seen that she's had in, like, three or four other races this year Yep, yeah, keep her honest Please keep Gamine honest That's what we want That's what if, we want Unless you're somebody who is set on singling Gamine on everything and that, <laughs> Then you don't want anybody You to don't want to see that But from but, a yes. pure... From a racing, she's going to try yeah. to beat Gamin, like I think a lot of us probably will. Is please just keep her honest. Come on, that's science. what we want. And keep then after honest. we can say, okay, you know what? She she had to work for it. She put him away. We couldn't have and we couldn't have asked for a better sort of trip for the horses that we wanted. They just didn't win, and we can you know we can move along uh, there and uh, and you know turn on some of the uh, the NBA games a little later on. So a shout out to you, Dave, before we. Uh, Get out of here. The T Wolves, good couple good wins, and then sort of a lackluster loss um, afterwards. It's been sort. Of, it's been funny. If if you would have said you know three and three maybe to start, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. It's just we we probably would have predicted one or two of the wins coming a little bit differently. They have that awesome victory. I think you told me the stat uh, that they had at Milwaukee the other night, and then you come back last night, and it's a Cole Anthony who sort of just kind of takes over and 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 hurts the the Wolves late. Yeah, Cole, Cole Anthony turning into Steph Curry or I know decided to kill us like that. that. Yeah, that was a mess. Like Orlando looked, Orlando's not that good of a team, and they looked like it for the first half, and then the fourth quarter, Orlando puts up forty three points. I think forty three to sixteen in the fourth quarter for a, a team that's not that good. I know, not not, it, not a not a not a great result last night at the Target Center for the Timberwolves on that. No, you want to you want to build. It's in it's. Early on this year so far it's been a little bit of like Two steps forward one step backward yeah. you know? So you no, want to The high of the Milwaukee win has Been kind of nullified By the past two results Yeah hopefully we can get a little more consistency From D'Angelo uh, yep. And uh, even Beasley I think kind of trying to Figure out his role right now yep. Having a little you know he was a big He was like a 20 point scorer Early on in the season last year And was uh, someone who Minnesota needed a lot from and, and and it's it's different when your role changes now. Cat's back. You, the Ant has much much more uh, of a you know big part of the offense. D'Angelo's in the mix, and he's kind of just trying to figure out where he he fits in. It's I still feel very good and like looking around the where the West is. I still feel confident that Minnesota has a lot of the right pieces. It's just going to be a young team where you're going to have some growing pains like this. I think throughout the year. Yep, there's it's going to be. Little stuff here and there. D'Angelo tweaked his ankle last night, so we'll see what that does. He didn't play the second half, so hopefully that's something not that bad. Because Beverly was also out yesterday with like a with a calf injury, I believe. So 
they didn't have like they've got three point guards and they were down to one for basically all second half yesterday. So I think a couple games with the Clippers coming up soon, yep. uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Pat Bev, I'm sure would love to get back in there if he could and uh, give them a little bit of something. Dave, awesome man, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, I uh, I know we didn't have the the sexiest race in the world to discuss, but I appreciate it. And you and I are always the type. I figured you'd be a good one to talk about with this race because we're we're gonna try to beat the chalks if we can, right? If unless yes. it's just so blatantly obvious that we can't But we'll do our best to to try to get a little creative sometimes And I hope you have a really uh, fun week You said you you have a couple days off Where you get to kind of kick back and enjoy And watch the Breeders' Cup And I uh, thank you for helping out early You We're recording this early on Tuesday morning So the, only about a day after the entries all finalized And came out I know a lot of people don't handicap all that early In the week and stuff So thank you again for helping out And Maybe uh, we'll aim for uh, a few weeks from now or uh, a month and, uh, and and check in again in the NBA and see how things are going with the the T Wolves and the the Lakers and do a little uh, state of the league. Sounds good. And I will have a two by two or a two two daily double with Princess Grayson and Stelio Talentoso. Nice. That's be, yeah, that's going to be it's, a little daily double in there. The leading right into three, it because three, four and Princess Grayson coming to two, uh, two two Go, twos are wild. There you go, a two two double of Princess Grace. Will be in the race as uh, Dave mentioned Leading right into it um, And and that's a race where She really projects to sit a nice trip There's not that much speed in there enough, um, And she's going to get a really really good trip So uh, I like that Yeah, Just uh, asked him for one race and he's uh, he's given us extra He's given us yep. a little bonus, bonus there All, Always Dave man uh, one of my favorite people to talk sports with Thank you so much for hanging out Have a nice uh, rest of your week and good luck on the Breeders Cup Let everybody know real quick again Where can we follow you on social media yeah, and social media on Twitter, I'm at SuperStatsDave, and yeah, look forward to talking to people, and good luck, everybody, Breeders' Cup. It's a, it's, it's a long two weekends, so hang in there, be responsible, but win some money, right? Let's do it. So much fun coming up, Dave, buddy. You have a great one, and uh, and thanks again, everyone. Make sure to get there and follow Dave if you if you like basketball, if you like horse racing, if you like fun commentary. I think you're gonna enjoy uh, following Dave on social media. He has a good time there, and he gives you some really cool uh, NBA stats and a lot of good stuff. If you're a, a, a T Wolves fan in particular, so Dave, my man, thank you so much. We'll talk again real soon, and I uh, wish you the best of luck. Right, you as well, Gino. And Gino, I will be listening because I think it was last year, Breeders' Cup. They, it was either Breeders' Cup or one of the Oaks Day or Derby Day. You or somebody on your show gave out a bomb in like race one or two in I, that I, one. Yep. And it funded my kind of weekend. I, I, because I played that and I it ended up like, I didn't have to like go back for any that's, money. I, I that's exactly that what we want to hear. Time. That's exactly what it's all about, right? Because there's so much good content out there. There's so many good shows. Sometimes, you know, I I always tell people, don't always just blindly listen to what is said, but you got to kind of handicap the handicappers, right? If you're talking if there's a race and somebody's talking about a horse that's 10 or 15 to 1 or a horse that was not on your radar, those are the horses that you want to add in. You don't necessarily want to change your entire opinion because of what somebody said, but you want to use what they said to kind of add to your uh, to your tickets, or maybe to add like an angle or a tool or some. Oh, I like what they said. Like I'm gonna use I'm gonna use that for you know uh, m- moving forward in the future. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, um, uh, the checks in the mail for the plug there. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs>
<laughs> That's Dave handling there, folks. Uh, make sure to give him a follow. One of my favorite people to talk sports with. And uh, we wish Dave the best of luck on Breeders' Cup weekend. Stay tuned as we roll along through Breeders' Cup Saturday. Big thank you to Dave for helping us out. And uh, yeah, for me, it's going to come down to CC now. CC getting the trip. Much respect for uh, Bella Sophia. And uh, hopefully she can put a little pressure on Gamine as we try to take down uh, the favorite early on. And I'm not going to play, I mean, I'll play some early pick fives and stuff where I single CC, but the bulk of my, you know, bankroll and, and some of the bigger Breeders' Cup uh, wagers I'm going to play, I'm going to not, I'm going to leave this race out of it because I could very easily see Gamine winning this race and, and just being a little too good. So we'll take some some shots against her in uh, in case she does get beat because that's the way I see this race unfolding. If not, we don't want to be completely involved and wiped out right away on uh, on Saturday with plenty left to come later in the card. And we're going to get to uh, that later part of the card in just a moment. We're going to get to race five, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint with Angela Herman. Before we do, we wanted to talk about Stable Duel, our friends over at StableDuel.com, the free horse racing app where, where you can enter contests and you can win hundreds and thousands of dollars. They have free games all the time, but it only it'll only cost you whatever you want to enter into whatever contest that you, you're playing in. Free to download uh, anywhere you download your app, so go check it out right now. And it's the format that's very similar to uh, DFS. If you've ever played um, daily fantasy for you know for NFL or for basketball, where you are going to be building your lineup based on a salary cap format. So when you're putting together your stable duel lineup, it's going to be based on uh, filling a lineup of ten horses on a fifty thousand dollar salary cap, and you'll be paying for those horses based off their morning line odds. So that means you can't build a lineup with all chalk. You are forced to actually have to pick some price horses in some races. It means that building a lineup is going to be difficult. It's not just about chalk, 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 chalk. It actually makes you become a better handicapper, having to go a little outside the box. And think about it. Some days you play a pick four or pick five. If you miss one race, you're done. In Stable Duel, you get points when your horse finishes first through fifth. You get points based on how many lengths they win by when they win races. So if you have a really good day, but maybe you miss one race or two races, or maybe all of your horses are running really, really well, but they're getting into trouble, or they've just been a little bit unlucky, you're on the wrong side of a couple photos, you get rewarded for that in Stable Duel. You could win a contest and not have one horse win a race, but have a bunch of seconds and thirds and really good finishes all day, and then maybe a, a couple of heavy favorites go down. Your opinion will always be rewarded at Stable Duel. That's what's great about playing in these DFS-style horse racing contests. And Stable Duel is doing a a really incredible thing on Thursday. I'm sure uh, many of you who are listening to this show right now have heard the horribly, horribly sad news about Miguel Mena, jockey who passed away just earlier this week. On Thursday, Stable Duel will offer a charity match game within the app for Del Mar's game. All of the entries will be donated to Miguel's family to help them through this terrible time. The contest will lock at first post, and there will be no guarantee as the charity pool will grow and the entries donations will grow, and that amount will be donated. Entries will be $25, and there will be no limit on how many players can enter. So 
That is going to be the Thursday game, the Miguel Mena charity match. It's a $25 entry fee. All monies will be donated to Miguel's to Miguel Mena's family. So if you've never played Stable Duel, if you're listening to this and you've played all the time, head on over. You know your money is going to be going to a great cause, and you'll get a chance to, uh, to check out the game, to play it out, and to, to see where you stack up. And on Thursday, that's going to be one of the contests over at Del Mar. They have uh, multiple contests for players of all different bankrolls. They have a $3 game, a $75 game, a $100 game. There's a couple games at Charlestown and then Gulfstream Park for Thursday. On Friday, Charlestown, Woodbine, Gulfstream, and Penn National. If you want to play along with a different racetrack while you've got your Breeders' Cup stuff happening or uh, maybe a little later on in the evening after you've made a ton of money, uh, there's a $5 game at Woodbine and games all the way up to 150 bucks in that triple up at Gulfstream. Then you get to Saturday, Charlestown, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, and Laurel. There is a free ride at Laurel. Doesn't cost you anything to get involved. There's a free game on Thursday at Charlestown that doesn't cost you anything to get involved, and they actually pay out cash prizes to the top finishers. Sunday, we close out the week after we've made a bunch of money on Breeders' Cup. Saturday, we go over, we deposit a little bit at Stable Duel, and we play in the uh, the Gulfstream contest. Or the Laurel, Del Mar with a $75 game and a $150 double up if you want to play in either one of those. There's also a $25 contest at Woodbine. Another big weekend for Stable Duel every single day. They have contests there. Get your entries in and play, race, win. We're going to play race win in race number five, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Angela Herman joins me, and uh, we we deep dive this one. We spent uh, over 45 minutes or so going horse by horse through the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. A little, little different complexion of that race versus the, uh, the race that uh, we just talked about with Dave where we only had five runners. We can go through this Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint and legitimately make cases for so, so many Angela Herman joins for race number five on Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. We are moving along into Saturday now. Oh, that was a a little loud as we get things started, but I'm always pretty loud. So nothing new for our next guest who's going to join us, uh, Angela Herman. We've talked many races together before. And you know Angela from over at Canterbury, excellent handicapper. Angela is going to help us out with the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint as uh, we jump into race number five for Saturday Breeders' Cup. So we're looking at the fifth race on the November 6th card, five furlongs on the turf course over at Del Mar. Angela joins us now. How you doing, Angela? Hi. I guess it's the loud leading the loud through the uh, turf sprint. Thanks Hello. for having me on. <laughs> exactly. And I. this is one of my favorite Breeders' Cup races, I think, every year because it feels like, especially looking at this year, which was unfortunate, we have a couple of smaller fields. When I think of Breeders' Cup, I think of big fields. I think of kind of chaos and craziness. I think of a couple horses probably coming in, shipping in some Euros here and there. This kind of gives you the perfect, like, hodgepodge. You get some horses from the West, from the Midwest, from the central, you know, the central part of uh, the U.S. You get from the East Coast, and it's it's like... I don't know, it's one of the fairer divisions, too, it feels like. Like, in a turf sprint, kind of whoever gets the trip sort of feels like they can win. Yeah, and it wasn't one of the originals, but it was, I think, kind of what the Breeders' Cup was intended to do. Bring the best of the best from all corners of the world. And it doesn't always run at the same distance, the same track, everything like that. I mean, it's not the mile. It's the sprint, but it's all different distances, so it can suit different horses each year. 
kind of fun. It is, and it's kind of like it's got this like home court feel to it, like any stadium or baseball field or you know like home field football stadium kind of because like you said you're going to get the six that you got we had the years where we get the six and a half down the hill at Santa Nina you've got years where you've got the five for a long layout you get the five and a half for a long layout you get whatever you know kind of trip they have at any track and and now you're going to get this straight five at uh at Del Mar which plays I mean Think about that. The difference between the way this track plays out, this five furlong versus now, like they're back at the hill at Santa Anita. Those are two totally different kind of courses. Right. And building your form at a place like Santa Anita on the hill or at Kentucky Downs with all those hills and different obstacles. I mean, it, it makes for a really cool race to bring together all different form and see how it'll stack up against each other. I really liked going through this race, even though is I don't think that there's a huge standout. I mean, you might say Golden Palace, but there's a case to be made for just about anybody in here. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I keep and saying that it's fun. It, it, no, but it, it is. And he like total total respect for everything that he's done. He's absolutely been been excellent. But for a horse who's going to probably be you know the favorite and a pretty short price in here, it's not in on the in the most basic sense. He doesn't have speed figures that just tower over the field or anything. So that that's what makes a, a favorite that we look at as handicappers seem a little bit vulnerable because, you know, he's seems pretty one dimensional in a big, big field. You expect there to be at least a little bit of other speed. And it's not as if he's run these unbelievable figures. And he's built a lot of his form against his own age group. And it's a race that's not been kind to three year olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you feel about turf sprinters, but maybe. A, a trainer with a good turf sprinter doesn't know it until a little bit later in life because maybe they have derby dreams or a horse shows a lot on dirt. And a lot of the winners of the Breeders' Cup turf have even been five and older. I mean, a mm-hmm. handful of four-year-olds have won it, but only one three-year-old won it, Bobby's kitten. So Golden Powell would have to fight a little bit of past, even though he has plenty of established form turf sprinting. He doesn't have a whole bunch of it against horses like this. So I'll be interested to see how far he can take them. Yeah, it's kind of a niche thing. You know, you figure out where you you fit a lot of the time. Everything isn't so linear. You don't just, hey, I'm gonna run in the derby, right? And everything works out great for you. So yeah. it's 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 some trial and error. It's oh, okay, now I don't go well long on the dirt, but I can go on the turf. Let's cut back a little bit. Oh, yep, turf sprint. That's this is where it hits home for me. And uh, you have a lot of these horses who have started to figure things out, and we'll see if uh, if Golden Pal can. And we're gonna go. Horse by horse, we'll start inside. We'll give you a couple thoughts on each as we begin with the number one, Glass Slippers, who was actually last year's Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner. And Glass Slippers isn't in quite as good a form as she was coming into last year, but she's still pretty darn good. Her two-back effort was was really nice. She was third, only beaten three-quarters of a length in that group one. She was behind A Case of You, who's also going to be in here. And she... Moved to the lead, she really battled on well Last time out, she was sort of mid-pack And she looked sort of like she was going to start to make a move Like she had a little bit of momentum And then a case of you actually just blew by So you've got a, a, a you know rival that she's going to have to deal with That she's been defeated by a couple times But like last year she came into this race, for example She won the grade one at the Curra And she was second in the group one uh, over at Longchamp This year she was not bad, she was third in both of them coming in So not quite as good a form But we're not talking about like awful races Heading into this No, not awful by any means If she was coming out of the Flying Five I think that she would be probably the the second choice On the morning yeah. line or something like that But not only 
form that she's coming in on paper, but the endorsement of her uh, her trainer actually kind of, I think, giving the nod to her stablemate just to her right as opposed yeah. to her, I think says a, a lot about the form that she's in, the form that he's in, maybe more of a compliment to him. And I, I didn't love the inside draw. I mean, Glass no. Clippers definitely earned her win last year. And that was that was some move, but she just doesn't look quite the same. And like I said, if she was coming out of the flying five, I would like her a lot more. But I think a case of you put enough space between the two where I don't think that there's enough time for him to t- or for her to turn the tables on a I'd case agree. of you in this spot. Yeah, she's just like a major under for me. The po- if she was drawn more towards the middle to the outside of the field, I'd be a lot more okay with her in unders and in some spots. But she's gonna have to get such a perfect trip from from down in there with the way that they're, you're gonna likely get shuffled in this big field. It just concerns me a bit. Tons of respect for her, but she would mainly be at some of the bottom of my exotics and not probably not in the bulk of my top three or four in here. Yes, and watching her race last time, she she looked a little bit flat. She kind of had yep. every shot at it. I know it was challenging ground, but I would prefer others. And yes, yeah. I would probably use her underneath in some sort of verticals. I'm not going to be using her in horizontal. Yeah, I think it was like I, for a moment where I was waiting for her to move, and the announcer was almost trying like waiting and like waiting for the will <laughs> willing it to happen. And she started to for a second, and then just nope, not a whole lot. Um, right. And just yeah, a little bit flat. As you mentioned, the uh, the horse drawn right next door. And I actually thought uh, this guy was really, really impressive in in what I've seen from him, and um, I, I, I was pretty, uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed with that most recent Group One win over at Haydock. Talking about Amirati Anna, who is a Group One winner and has won uh, two of his last three with the second in those. So just the recent form has been so nice, and he actually beat a horse named Starman. Starman was five for eight and just recently was retired as the top rated sprinter in all of Europe in that most recent race the uh, the deuce was sitting close up kind of in the third flight was three lengths off and he was just always well held he moved to the lead he got challenged on both sides and he was able to just get to the wire first turns the tables on Starman there I think he is a major player in here he's one that I'm going to use in all of my exotics. Uh, you spelled out just about everything I would say about his recent <laughs> form. I, I mean, really, of course, we watch replays. We see, obviously, this horse is in the best form of his life. I did go a little bit further back. I was curious about how this horse turned. I went and watched last year at Chester um, in the Queens Ferry, and he didn't corner the best when he was asked to make a left-hand turn. I mean, it wasn't as bad. I would be more worried if the horse that ran second in that race was in here. But a lot of the best printers over there just run in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And they have you don't want to take a short price. That's always something to mention if a horse like this gets bet down a little bit for doing something they're not familiar with, and especially something that you looked into and they didn't do all that all that clean. It was yeah, it wasn't of great concern. I don't think it's going to cost him the race, but being inside, not being as familiar mm-hmm. with that sort of thing, and having a short stretch to work with. He's just not a single for me, I guess. Yep. People who were looking for a European to single something that's unfamiliar and that is in good form, uh, that's all I'll say about him. You wrapped up everything else that you could say about him. I think that he's the best that they're sending, and I still have my questions about him in this exact spot. Although yeah, Europeans did so well at Del Mar, I, he'd be no surprise. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think I would single him. As we move to Golden Pal, some people might think about singling this one. I will not. Um, tons of respect. But he just seems really one-dimensional And he doesn't seem all that much faster 
than you know some of the other really nice ones in here. Like you said, he's the three year old who's done a lot of his best work beating up on young uh, horses in his own age division, and this is going to be by far the toughest group he's ever faced. And he's going to have to deal with a lot of pressure. He's going to be drowned down towards the inside also. So if he doesn't break alertly, I mean, right to his outside, he's got Lieutenant Dan, who is very, very quick. And, and at the at the very least, he's going to be pressing him. And I don't think he's going to be letting him get away easy. And so, I mean, just the draw right there with that one particular horse right to his outside, I think is going to make life very difficult on him. Right. And you look for reasons to try to beat the favorite. And there are reasons there with Golden Pals. Golden Pal has everything on paper that you would look for in a favorite. I can see why he's the favorite. And Wesley Ward trains some of the best turf sprinters that we've seen over the last decade. But Golden Pal does have everything working against him to his outside. That's the big question. But I thought the Golden Pal had that coming at him in the Woodford, maybe. It wasn't as good a field. But he still, I, I thought, you know, I thought he maybe had got cooked by the top of the stretch. I was mistaken. Yep. And he, he looked done. Way at the end. <laughs> he did. He and looked done. <laughs> yeah, that was an effort that would win this. Right. I that was an effort that would win this race, but does he do it again? Can he? I don't know. I, I'm not willing to take that that gamble at two to one. If he can get seven to two somehow, I I will eat this phone. I don't think that he's gonna be seven to two, but no. uh, I think that golden pal would be fair if you want to bet him to win at that. I just don't think you're gonna get it. So golden pal paramutually does not interest me. He's another one, like the two that would not surprise me at all, but I have more reasons against him than for him as far as betting him. Yeah, got a, a little more exciting horses uh, in this field with perhaps some more upside, sharper horses. We run into one of them uh, right next door in Lieutenant Dan, who, you know, this horse was, he's intriguing to discuss because he's always been a nice horse. He had some ability. And then he was, was really, though, like a cowbred stakes kind of horse. Nothing. Like open company he beat But he wasn't anything spectacular He didn't even really go into open company all that much Then he returned He goes to the bench from June of 2020 To July of 2020 So he's off for 13 and a half months Comes back and he runs The three biggest races of his life All against open company And two of them against graded stakes company Sort of like what you were saying With these turf sprinters It's just well yeah he was off for a long time and so he, you know, there were some physical issues and some things that happened, but you know, it also happened. This horse matured. He grew up from kind of early on in his four-year-old season to much later as a five-year-old. We don't get to see horses do that all that often. A lot of times they run a little, they're done by the middle of, you know, end of three, early on into four, and that's it. When you let horses develop, sometimes you can see a horse just like this. I mean, Lieutenant Dan, if he's the type of horse who hangs around for a while now, um, you know, he's older, he's gelding He He's the type of horse who could be a really good turf sprinter for a long time We see horses get really comfortable in spots like this Yeah, they just hadn't given him a chance to do what he might be best at Until March of his four-year-old year So, nothing against Lieutenant Dan I'm not as enamored with the California races As I'm sure somebody else on this call might be But I, I see nothing wrong with Lieutenant Dan At least being involved in the pace for a little while I don't think he's going to be six to one either. I think he's going to take a lot more money yep. than that. I would guess he'll be about four to one. I agree. I don't know. They just didn't come home very quick. Of course, they went very fast early down the hill in the Eddie D. But Lieutenant Dan and Golden Pal, I think, will cost each other more than they'll be able to expend with some of the horses that will be coming from the back. 
I'm not into either one of them on top. I apologize. I, I no, Lieutenant I very Dan much agree. To root for, but I very much agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I like Dan as a horse overall. I I have him more under in here. I I prefer him. I think to Golden Pal because. He's got a little bit of the SoCal experience He's older, he's a little more seasoned And I think he can sit more Like he's proven that if 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 Golden Pal goes Dan might be able to sit off of him a little bit And I think he, I think he can you know, win the battle And still hang around for a slice more likely than Golden Pal But I agree with you, I think he's going to get bet He's probably in the 7-2-ish range And there's just others that excite me a little bit more I'll have him on one or two of the early pick four And early pick five tickets But he's not in my top three uh, In this race yeah, I, I do like you, others. Are, you Calbreth yeah. You guys are on a first name basis You just call him Dan <laughs> Me and Dan That's The best Yeah, yeah you and Dan I was gonna go with like uh, Gary because Gary Sinise, you know, but you know that I thought that might be a little bit too meta for Lieutenant Dan. We're getting into Forrest Gump, but you know who knows. As, uh, we uh, <laughs> we continue on with Dan to uh, arrest me, Red. We get to another Wesley Ward runner, and and this one's a sort of a a strange, I, I guess, a little bit strange to me because you've got a horse that came into the Wesley Ward barn um, for the first time, ran in August, won, came back in the Belmont Turf Sprint, won. And actually has earned a better figure than the Ward runner who is going to take a lot more money than him in here. I'm not sure what to do with this horse. He he has improved quite a bit from moving to Delacour to Wesley Ward. And then the likely improvement from two to much later in the three-year-old season. Um, what do you do with the Arrest Me Red in here? Toss him. I don't know. That's yeah. that was my first inclination. But I, yeah. like, what do you do? Do you grab John Velasquez and Irad and be like, "All right, guys. Well, if you go eye to eye, best of luck." I know. He he doesn't seem as fast. Runs best either, right? Like no, he's, not he's not as fast as the others, and I don't think he's gonna sit and stalk and pounce as good as as well as some of the other closers. So while his form. You can't really, you can't knock his recent form. He's won his last two races. They're both turf sprints. They're both like prep races that any horse would run in to set themselves up for this race. And so you would think that whoever won those races would be a contender here. He just, he doesn't feel on the same level as some of the other top horses in here to me. No, I mean, he might just be one where else are you going to run him? You know, yeah. Arrest Me Red has done enough to get to this spot, but I still don't think that he's a contender to me. Arresting Red can come from off the pace, but he's also, in reading about him, a little bit crazy in the coconuts. So he's going to be one that you'll want to watch beforehand. A big crowd and the Delmore Paddock might take a little bit out of Arresting Red before he even gets to the track. So see how he's acting and see if they'll be able to actually relax with him or if he might throw another monkey wrench into the pace. We get to number six. A case of you. It's funny. There's a, there's a lot of you horses running this weekend, and I've recently you know watched the third season of you on Netflix. And so like every time I hear I see this horse, I like hear it in the Penn Badgley creepy guy in my head, like a case of you. It's you, you. And he, so that's just me every time. There's a well, hello you and uh, a couple different you runners, and there's a, a, ho- a couple horses named Love, who's actually. The girl that's his wife in that show So if you've been if you're someone out there that's watched The show you recently I'm sure you Know what I'm talking about I'm not crazy But yeah I'm hearing these voices in my head While I'm handicapping all over all over The place so maybe I do need to see someone after uh, I'm done handicapping this week it might be a, Might be a problem in, uh, that I have to deal with Nonetheless Those of you unfamiliar of... with Gino rewind <laughs> Just listen to that again 
<laughs> so a case of you, the number six, I thought is very live in here. Uh, it, when you talk about the horses that, that are coming over, this is another three-year-old. And this is one who just, it gets really tough to knock his recent form. It, it, it's just been excellent. So a case of you comes off of that group one win. And in his last two starts, he's defeated glass slippers. He's finished in front of him when finishing second in, in a group one and then winning the group one last time out. He has two poor races in his career. He's only light. He's only raced 10 times. He's pretty lightly raced. And in one of those poor races, he lost a shoe. So he's a, to- he's a horse who you can, <laughs> you know, you can really go through. I was going to say, who, who loses a shoe, right? Let's go. I was going to go Austin Powers <laughs> there too. Uh, right. Who but he, shoe? these are the horses, Angela, that for me is a better um, win or lose. Like he'll be on, on a lot of my exotics tickets in here because I, you know, could he have problems coming out shipping over and could he have issues with maybe not loving this turf course in, in certain things? Sure. But when I go through horses like this and I, I can tell their form and it just makes sense, he always shows up and runs pretty well. And a couple times that he hasn't, he had pretty legitimate excuses for them. Um, I, yeah, I, I love what I saw from him last time. He was mid pack. He kind of loomed up. Um, it, it, it was kind of crowded Things were tight and then he got an opening And he just exploded He kind of like was pushing his way out Searching for room And uh, he ran down a leader that looked like they were gone And I love I love watching the uh, the, the replays Because we don't get as nearly as much excitement From the uh, the like announcers And the commentary team You know after our races <laughs> when Like when there's a close finish In one of those uh, international races They are just oh my god They're going ballistic and, You know they're so into it And it's like I love it It gets me more excited So I, you know if we ever do You know maybe one day You and I can be on the commentary team That reacts in, like immediately to the close races And just oh oh like screaming somewhere because I get a lot of fun watching them. What do we think about a case? So for a case of you, <laughs> everyone I, wants me back on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, that, that's why you're here. We always get great responses. <laughs> for a case of you, I think I've gone to the movie. You, we went to Austin Powers, and then we went to celebrating commentary. When I get into all sorts of tangents, it's usually because I like a horse. A case of you is in my top <laughs> couple. Here in the most roundabout way of getting there What do you think of the six? Turn back some questions on you Because he is not in my top two He's somewhere in my top five Perhaps, but I question a horse Whose best race has come on very heavy going Heavy, Mm -hmm. soft, heavy uh, You just see a theme And polytrack, that one out of the case But if it takes a case of you Every inch of the stretch with heavy going to run down the front runner going five, where some of his other races have been six and seven, where you've seen him pop up. I wonder how, if he's going to be able to catch up to anybody who's far ahead of him, because he's going to be, I would say, mid-pack or near the back. Do you think that five furlongs on a very firm Del Mar turf course is enough? Mm, it, ver- it very well might not be. It ve- and, and the... See, I'm ho- I'm wishfully hoping there's a little more speed than there might be in this race. To be honest, like it's a it's a five furlong turf sprint. It's a Breeders' Cup turf sprint, so we're assuming there's going to be there will be a couple horses cooking. But you know, there may be three that are pretty like even a horse like Charmaine's Mia, for example. You know, like she got the lead last time shoved down the hill. I don't know if she's going to be five furlong sprint like pushing the pace here. I, I don't. 
I don't know. That's a different sort of complexion. You mentioned with Lieutenant Dan, like he's quick. Um, I don't know if he's quite as quick as Golden Pal. So it, in kind of, you know, com- like combating my own point with this horse, that is one of the knocks on him. And that definitely is why I wouldn't want to like eight to one is where he is. Six to one is my line. I don't want to take short on him because I do think just like most of the horses in here, that's sort of like the price I would demand on really anyone. I wouldn't want to take lower than five or six because I do think there is nobody in here that I feel is perfect or has this incredible chance. Some of the horses who I think are probably the best animals are probably the European horses who, like you said, we have major questions about how they're going to handle this style of turf course, this condition of turf course. So I, if if a case of you is like seven to two, no thank you for me. But if he if he's in the six to one range, I think that sort of builds in some of the concerns I have with him into price. That's that's fair. And I think that just him and a handful of others, closers, stalkers, would be suited to just a tad bit more ground than five. Five and a half that's, down the hill, they would probably be perfect. Five and a half would be great, you know. Right. Yeah, or unless you can get a monsoon to come in. I, whatever you need to do, I guess and, I don't think it's going to happen and, at Del Mar. So I question. Those. I mean, I know a few people. We'll see if I can if how, if my favors are, are any good any, any, nowadays. I'm not sure how my credit <laughs> is, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll do my best as we move along to Charmaine's <laughs> Mia, this uh, five year old mare who, you know, I I played her last time. I really did. I thought the 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 cutback. From the mile and a 16th, she was going second start off the bench. She was coming out of a couple of pretty tough races behind Princess Grace, Maxim Rate. That was a good uh, gamely in, in, at the end of May here in Southern California. And she just was gunned in that race. I, I thought she'd sit let, a little more tracking, cutting back from the mile and the 16th to six and a half. And they broke well, and they just went on with her. And Lieutenant Dan was just like right off of sitting right off her and... She just never had a shot. She just was going to be pressed throughout, and he just sort of put her away. I mean, she's in pretty tough here. I just I don't think at five, maybe she gets more of the trip I was hoping for last time, but I don't. She's very nice. Just I I wanted to see a little bit more in that spot. I liked that six and a half layout a little bit better for her than I think I liked the five. Well, and he always had her measured. I mean, even going five, if he wanted to pass her up, then he could have. Absolutely. Yeah, Charmaine's Mia, I think, is another one that's not easy to find spots for. You can go back and look at some of her sprint form at Gulfstream and Woodbine, and it's fine against optional claimers. I'm not sure if it's good in this category. It, I don't know, kind of in looking back and then looking through the charts for all the all the races that she did win earlier this spring, maybe just a division lacking a leader found a filly that could take some fields wire to wire. That's yep. what she did, and take nothing away from her in that, but maybe just coming back to earth. Right now, leaves yeah. her without options and in a tough spot. Yeah, she's like a tweener, you know. She can't. This is this is one of the like you said. She's one of the only the only options. So they 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 take a swing and worse things can be had than uh someone who's got a ton of speed like she does. Right? We've seen crazier things happen than horses with a bunch of speed get loose or you know they get close to the front end and they fall into a really nice spot. They'll uh, they'll see if they can uh, grab a slice of uh, a Breeders' Cup race here. As we move from uh, one to the one gal to the next, we've got Caravel here, the the number eight for Graham Motion has now been in the Motion Barn for two starts. She got really, really good earlier in this year. Uh, she won three turf stake sprints in a row at five and five and a half. Then she changed barns. She came into the Motion Barn, and 
In her two starts since she's actually faced the boys And she hasn't run poorly She finished third up at Woodbine um, In the grade one Highlander And then at at Park she was in the, the turf monster She was actually favored in there And she just never got in to involved Maybe she didn't like the turf course You could probably just toss that race out Unfortunately it's just not This was going to be Even at her very best earlier in the year A tough task for her And she would have to probably throw in one of her better Now she's coming in off of a little bit lackluster form prior to that She is a super talented filly This is definitely going to be a tough test for her Yeah, she's just tailing off a little bit She didn't have any excuse last time No monster. No. Uh, The top two are on the also eligible list in there Uh, And she's also entered in the Phasic Tipton November sale Um, I think they want to make sure that she gets home safe They might you know, not push it too much if it looks like she's done kind of like the way that it did around the turn at Parks. Caravelle's not of interest to me. And trust me, I would love to make a, a case for some of these ladies against the boys, but just nothing that we've gone through thus far really inspires me to try to do that. No, we do have a real nice quality lady uh, moving next door to uh, the number nine, Kamari. This is a grade one winner on the dirt, and she is so she's going to be on on probably. Most of my exotics and and I I, I think that that the, the five furlongs doesn't is is why I'm I'm okay with her off the bench. I mean Wesley Ward can get a horse ready first time out or off the bench. I just do think that in a spot like this, I would have loved that one extra prep for her before this. But the the way that the kind of trip she could get, she's really versatile. The what she's shown in some of her races, she's got positional speed. She can be placed in a really really nice spot. She has got quality, whereas you know she hasn't won a graded stakes race on the turf yet. Well, she is a grade one winner on the dirt, and she's been good on the turf. We know that this distance is no problem. We've seen her succeed from four and a half all all the way up to seven last time out. And you know you get Joel. When you have someone, in my opinion, who is the best, absolute best finisher in a situation like this, where yeah, maybe she is a little farther back going five furlongs than she than we've seen her in her last couple. You know, Joelle can push that button really well. She's probably on most of my tickets. I am a little concerned with the the layoff and stuff, but of the ward runners, I definitely prefer her. I don't mind where she's drawn. I just you know maybe she gets hooked a little bit wide, but I think there are options. I and Joelle doesn't usually keep get them hooked wide. He'll if he's gonna if he's gonna get you in trouble, it's probably because she's gonna be tenth. You know, she'll be she'll be farther back than she should, and he'll come running a little bit late. I don't I don't think he's gonna get he's gonna get her with a wide trip. It'll just be like late on the scene. What do you think about Kamari? I think she's got the best shot of the disc staffers, like you said. And Wesley Ward has come out just like you and said he wishes he had more time, uh, another prep into her. And the goal was the Philly and Mare sprint as opposed to this. I think she'll be ready to go, and if she fires her regular shot. She should be in the top four. I will use her as well, but I just wish that things had. I mean, it takes so much even to get to the Breeders' Cup. All the all the parts have to fall into place, and she's here. But still, stuff hasn't gone according to plan. Obviously, you don't want a horse to sit on the sidelines since April. So, if just a few more things had gone Kamari's way, she would probably be my top choice in here. But just knowing that they've had hiccups to get to this point with her, I'm going to back off on the top spot. Yep, you can see with the uh, the work pattern with her as, as like what they were trying to do throughout the year. She hasn't she hasn't raced since April, and they got her back started in what was June, trying to get ready. And she was you know she tra- she trained in June all the way up until mid July, and then 
We didn't see her again until September, September. So you get a couple months off right in the middle So like you said it's That was the same kind of thing for me I think she If she's winning I will not be surprised at all But I had a few reservations Enough to, to where I could say Like oh I can't single her Or she's not a horse I can just completely key Or build everything around I just I'm not going to let her beat me Because I do think she is one of the major players in here That's a fair assessment I just think she might be a little undervalued For what she brings in this particular spot I mean I would I would love to play her in the future Don't get me wrong But just maybe with a little bit more foundation to her We've got three more in this field to discuss And I honestly all three of them are are live and you can make cases they've been really good turf sprinters the the last three to discuss including the one who might be the now horse and uh, and that's gear jockey who this is a horse who's always had some ability um he's always shown this is early on he was thrown into the grade 3 bourbon and he finished third he came right back in the breeders cup juvenile turf and finished third in 2019 and then in 2020 he only showed he only had two races we didn't see him a whole ton. He showed up in the Fountain of Youth in in February of 2020 and then doesn't come back until October of 2020. That's just like put a line through that year. There are some physical issues, comes back early in 2021, and since then you just have a string of really good efforts, whether they're going a mile on the turf and then the cut back to five and a half and then to six. I I think more than the Euros. He probably can get away with the five furlongs And maybe more than a couple of the others But I think I still I have a little bit of that concern with him That you've mentioned with a couple others And that is five the absolute best trip for him He's really sharp He's really good right now But is five exactly what he wants Would he be better at five and a half or six The the six that he just came from at Kentucky Is much different than the five He's going to be playing at at Del Mar so I have some concerns like I do with others, but he's another one who it's tough to knock what he's done recently. He ran the absolute perfect race in the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs. That was awesome to watch. He could have beat that field going a mile and a half. It just it it looked like he had the beat before even being asked. Very, very impressive. And what you said is my only argument against him. I don't care for him at five. When you go back to the Troy, I don't think that he was running down fast boat. Now, he was in a much different position, but the pace was much quicker. Does gear jockey fall back a little bit, fall into a wide trip, and not be able to kick? Uh, he didn't have that kick in the Troy, and he sat up closer in the turf sprint. I don't think he gets that trip in here. And if you're going to get 5-1, to one, even if you're going to be 9-2, to 4-1, I'm not interested in gear jockey on top. I would much prefer the horse who beat him two back at twice the price next door. And so gear jockey is an underneath horse for me. Unfortunately, I just don't think he'll get... The same trip that will enable the same effort out of him that he got last time. But that was a great race. And it's really fun to hear Rusty Arnold talk about this horse because he's very frank about what happened early in his career as opposed to what's going on now with him. And he, he too, says maybe gear jockey would want to go a little bit further. And if this was taking place anywhere else, five and a half, six furlongs, six and a half, he would probably be my top choice. But he's not just considering that it's not five and a half. It's not six or six and a half. Uh, we get to fast boat. This guy's got me a couple times this year. Oh, he got, he got, <laughs> oh, poor, no. he's nice. Personal grudge against him. No, no. I mean, he's very nice. And and this is, a, this is again, a very good spot for him, especially the five, the five furlongs, because he's been really good in the five, five and a half range. Uh, you know, six, six and a, the six and the six and a half actually seems too much for him. So like a down the hill or I, it would, would have probably been a little out of his range. 
He got me when was it in the Troy when I needed both times with Caratori in the Troy and then earlier in the year at Sam Houston in the turf sprint where both times it looked like Caratori mm-hmm. had got him and then fast boat comes and he is just like a exactly what a consistent turf sprinter is. You know what you're gonna get with this guy. He will, you know, he's not a, a fast horse, which is funny because his name is Fast Boat early, but <laughs> he is gonna come. He's going to come running and he will launch a bid And if the the race shape Or is good enough If they go quick enough If he doesn't get in trouble He'll win He'll come running and he'll hit the board He's the, he's really consistent He I'm, with, the, with the post 11 I am I have some concerns about him getting hooked wide um, I wouldn't really knock anyone who wants to use him I like a couple others more than him But he's sort of right in that next range to me After the horses that I, I like the best Where yeah, he wouldn't shock me. And if he's in the ten to one range, it's not a bad price. Um, he's going to go third start off of his form cycle, so he should be set to possibly step forward. He did have a little bit of trouble in that same race where uh, Gear Jockey won super nicely. What do you think about Fast Boat? He's my top pick in here, boy. I didn't know it was personal between you two, or I would have gone a different direction. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it's like, oh, he got me fast boat. Oh, God. He got oh, me. goodness. Of course, God. that would be my topic. Of course, exactly. the one where you're just prepared to fire against. But he's a cool old horse. I mean, a six year old, he's only run 27 times, but they race him a lot lighter these days. They took the blinkers off him. He has run with Lasix a lot. Fast boat has done what's being asked of him today very well in this, this past year or year or two, I guess. And fast boat is versatile enough, I think, to take advantage of the outside post position and get a good, good stocking trip without traffic. It seems like his best move is to catapult out wide and late and just run everybody down. Couldn't do that last time, but he still kept going between horses. That wasn't a bad race by any means. A lot of horses would back out in that spot, but fast boat did not. I I think he's he if you're playing pick fours and pick fives and stuff, he's a great horse to have. On your tickets because you you just More so than anyone Maybe anyone in this field I feel like you know what you're going to get from him He's consistent in this Particular trip because That you know where we opened up Our conversation talking about one of the things That we like the most about the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint And how unique it is compared to the other races Is that you really do Each year when you handicap it Have to take that turf course and the layout Into major consideration Probably a lot more than you would with any Of the other races right some some Horses will come from New York and they've been running in Two turn races on the dirt and they Versed or one turn races on the dirt and now they're Going to come run in two turn races and sure That complexion is a little different but The difference between this five And that six and a half at Santa Anita I mean That is like two completely different turf courses And uh, fast boat this five it isn't what's going to get him beat If he gets beat, he didn't get a great trip He got hooked wide, he got stuck in some trouble I have no concern that he that the, the distance Or just like being good enough to beat this group he, He's got both of those And if that's a horse that's going to be in the 10 to 1 range That sounds pretty good I would, I'd be a little surprised But I would definitely take it in fast boat At least for what he has to offer Where he drew and how he's been running lately And that he is coming up to the third start in his form cycle And he doesn't need any certain set of circumstances To win other than a path to run mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Fast Boat because I think that's very fair on him And if yep. I can even get above Seven or eight to one deal I'm betting yep. him to win He's not, a, a, you know, you kind of think of him more As a deep closer, but he can He's positional, he can be placed a lot more 
you know, or, uh, tactically in the race if if need be, and and from out wide they may have to do that, which could end up being a blessing in disguise. Sometimes you just got to put him a little bit, you know, a little uh, into the race a little earlier. You you press the button to make that move a little bit earlier, or you just have him ready, you know, in a length or two closer up before you press the button. And I think with the course like this, he's shown that he can do that. Some horses don't like that. They want to be dead last. They want to just lope along and they want to wait, 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 press the button and go. He is. He's really honest. Like he really is. And and this has been a good year for him the last uh, you know, a calendar uh, calendar year. So, could be another big spot for Fast Boat as we finish up the field with uh, Extravagant Kid, who's another one who's just been a pretty solid turf sprinter now for a while. <laughs> this is a horse who we don't see horses make 50 starts nowadays. <laughs> 53 starts. He's a 15-time winner. He, uh, we talked. I mentioned Starman earlier on, one of the best sprinters. Uh, they had rated as like the best sprinter in Europe. That's who uh, crushed Extravagant Kid in the Darley Cup in July. But Extravagant Kid actually did go over to Ascot and run really well, finishing third in a Group One in the King Stand, going five furlongs in a field of sixteen. So ended up, you know, still performing really, really well, finishing third in that race. Won the uh, the Group One Alcaz Sprint over in Dubai on the Dubai World Cup card. Was fourth in this race last year Was recently second behind Golden Pal You know, in races like that Though, horses like this don't ever bo- I, I'm never worried when you see A horse like Extravagant Kid behind Golden Pal Because in a short field, he's always Going to lose to Golden Pal Golden Pal's always going to have more speed than him He's always going to get a couple length lead And Extravagant Kid will never have a shot to run him down In a race like that In a race like this, he probably has A much better opportunity I don't know if this guy who is now Eight is quite You know the the same horse that he might have been A year or two ago but Heck he still showed up pretty well Earlier this year at Ascot and at Maidon With good performances do you think Extravagant Kid fits in this spot He's very usable underneath he's another one Just like the guy next door always fires And he doesn't need Any one particular trip to run A good race so whatever Ryan Moore decides is unfolding to his inside He can adapt and that turf course gives enough room to roam where extravagant kid probably doesn't need to, he can extricate himself from that spot and save a little bit more ground than maybe a fast boat can. But extravagant kid, I think, checks a lot of the same boxes as fast boat. So if I'm going to like one, I should at least consider the other. And extravagant kid is one that's probably going to be more in my horizontal or in my vertical place, that is, rather than my horizontals. But how do you not like either one of those two? I mean, they're easy to root for. You don't see a lot of horses make it to that age, that amount of starts, and still be able to fire at this level. So more power to him, and I hope that he runs a big race. Even if he beats me out of a pick four, pick five, anything like that, he's a cool horse, and I would love it if he shows up in the winner's circle. So for me, kind of getting back to how I was looking at approaching and how we're, we were looking at playing the race, the two horses that we just mentioned I have in – Almost all of my exotics, the two to the outside I think, you, like you said You sort of, you feel like you like one You gotta kind of like the other a little bit I do I do feel like Fast Boat Right now, feels like He's in a little bit better form And I would lean Fast Boat over Extravagant Kid But I, I would not be shocked with either one of them And I, I, it's almost like I have less questions to ask About them than I do about some of the others The two Euros that I do like I will use with them in most of the exotics So that's probably how I build most of, of my tickets With 2, 6, 11, and 12 in here um, In a lot of, of rolling exotics And I'll kind of 
you know, build things around them. Um, we mentioned some of the other horses. Like this is a fun betting race, and some of the, you know, I'll probably have Lieutenant Dan in some some way, shape, or form. But that's you know that's going to be the bulk of my of how I'm building exotics in this race with those four to five horses. Um, you know, who are some of the horses that you're going to be you know using in in your exotics, and how do you think you may be approaching uh, playing this race? I've been trying to focus just on win bets and exactos. Uh, if I'm going to get involved in some sort of horizontals, usually they're pick threes, sometimes the occasional pick five. But some of those sequences this year are going to be mired down by gamine types or anything mm-hmm. like that who, yep. you know, are paramutually useless. So I'm going to be focusing more on a win bet if I can get any sort of uh, anything above six to one on fast boat. I think I nice. will. And I think that I well have to i mean fast boat is my kind of horse so i'm going to play him to win i'm going to use the two and 12 underneath i'm going to incorporate kamari like you said i think oh yeah i'm sorry i didn't even mention i didn't mention kamari kamari's in yeah i for some reason skipped over kamari i think i had the uh can't read my own writing sometimes you can't yeah can't read so can't read my own writing sometimes but yeah she (laughs) she fits she fits major major player it's just we would have liked the one race in between or if it was Mid-August or September And not April last time we saw her Yes, exactly And moral of the story for my betting being I'm looking for the horse in here Who doesn't need And it doesn't have a lot of ifs Doesn't have a lot of questions mm-hmm. I know, like you said What I'm going to get from Fast Boat And this is what he does best So I don't think that If you like him, you're not going to be able to get this price on him Anytime in the next year if he runs reasonably So dive in Do it and, and see if you can maybe get 10 to 1 again Like he did at Saratoga and the Troy And what's good about um, about This the spot where this is on the card Is It's coming right after the Gamine race So if you don't want to get involved In that the start of that fourth race In rolling exotics This is a race where somebody Or two, one or two horses are going to be Forgotten about if you're kind of approaching This race like we did where you do feel like There are good amount of horses that Are con- kind of contender Ish one or two of them is going To be double their price they're they're Going to be just way higher than They should this will be a good race to maybe Take that approach you see that maybe fast Boat get down gets bet down a little bit well Uh oh now all of a sudden extravagant kid is like Double up at like 15 or 18 To one that seems too high this is that Kind of a race where you mentioned a win Bet yes absolutely Because I, we, I'm not going to be playing golden Pal on that win end And so anyone else you know, you look around. Who is the one that that people forget about in a big field like this? It always happens. That's who I'll sort of be looking at to approach this race. Because for me, maybe it is you know one of those two to the outside. Maybe it is one of the European horses who people don't think will be able to take t- to this course as well, and they end up being in that eight to ten to one range. Maybe it is Kamari who people forget about, and they think you know Golden Pal is going to be the other. I do think there are. You know five or six horses with pretty close to equal chances of winning, and so when that happens. Price always has to be the thing that leads me. I'm always going to make that dictate where I make my final decisions. Yes, of course. And just the value of whoever you choose in there. Set your own, set your own line for what you find acceptable, and go from there. It's just there's so many opportunities on the two cards presented on Friday and Saturday. Don't take anything less than you expect to get out of any certain betting entity. There's always another race coming. So I'm with you on that, and that's what partially what I liked about this race. I just I think a lot of people are going to be satisfied with the prices that they're going to get on their horses, just unless it's Golden Pal. 
I, yeah. I think he'll be one of the only real underlays in here. So uh, uh, maybe Lieutenant Dan, but other than that, I, I think it'll be a pretty interesting board. And I'll be very curious to see where all of that late money lands, just depending on what trends are going on through the week. And oh, it's what the Breeders' Cup is all about. I'm very excited for it. And I appreciate you letting me come on to talk about it. Oh, thank you so much. A nice trip through the fifth race for Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, one of the most contentious and honestly one of the better betting races that you're going to find all weekend long, especially if you have the opinion that we do where you can just find more exciting uh, horses at their prices than Golden Pal will be in this particular spot. So, Angela, the Canterbury season is uh, is finished up. It has had another really, really good year. It just, feel, it just felt like this year um, in, in the last couple – there have been there have been a lot of there's been a lot of buzz online, just like a lot of people playing Canterbury, a lot more people posting Canterbury selections, tickets, talking about the low takeout stuff. And I think like anything, it's not always just you make a change, you do something, and then it immediately everybody gravitates. Sometimes it takes a couple years or a couple seasons, or you gotta get a unfortunately, you sometimes you will have seasons or weeks or months where you'll have really bad weather luck. And then, you know, it's unfortunate This year seemed like it went really, really well over there We were very fortunate in that aspect Yeah, it was, I mean, we were under a drought in the state for We still kind of are for a good part of our season But we didn't get a lot of our turf races washed off A lot of things went even better than we expected Some of the big nights drew more support Not just locally, but from the region Than we thought that they might And Horses came in, they made exciting, exciting races. I mean, Brad Cox won a couple on a big night and we just, we've had interest, like you said, from our, from horsemen that hadn't normally been up there and from fans who hadn't watched and we're willing to listen to both. So it hopefully continues to go that way through seasons to come. I've got to get you out there sometime. It's uh, quite an experience, but the more people can come, the uh, more fun that we all have with it. I... I hope we'll have some new promotions going in the next couple of years. I'm sure everybody's clamoring for more Budweiser beer pong out of me, but we will uh, see what we can add and like to get you involved. Come out there, see it for yourself. Sure. I, I'd love to. I'm going to start getting back into uh, traveling a little. I think I'm going to, I'm going to make a trip out to Sam Houston uh, in a couple months later this year for one of their uh, nights and, and help out uh, over there on the broadcast a little with them. And uh, so Canterbury, we'll we'll have to check that one off the box, no doubt about it. And uh, Angela, where can we follow you on Twitter, on social media? Every now and then, you're a little more active. Sometimes you go sleeping on there for a while, but then you'll come back and talk when uh, when there's races and stuff happening over at Canterbury. Okay, yes, I know, I'm I'm not good with my social media, but I'm in school right now. That's so that's true. Okay, so well, so tell us a little bit about that. What what are you uh, what are you working on right now? I am actually in school for radiography, so. Uh, I would like to be a radiation tech. I am just starting out in school for the first time in 16 years. I was taking courses during the summer. So if uh, you didn't hear from me much, don't take it personally. That was just between me and my schoolwork. <laughs> and I will I will make an effort to get more on there. It's just, every, it seems like every minute of my day is uh, more packed than the last. So Well, that's good. It's, it's good when it's good yeah, work like I mean, that, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you more And uh, we wish you the best of luck with all the work over there As, uh, yeah, you've always always been someone that I think whatever whatever you're doing you, I, I've had, I would never have a worry about you getting the work done And you putting in uh, whatever it takes to be very successful at that So 
Uh, good luck over there. I can't wait to hear more about it and see where you where you're headed to next and what's new for you. And we always love to see you over at Canterbury. And uh, let's make some money this weekend. How's that sound? Okay, let's do our best. It's always great to talk to you. We make Thank a you so much. On this podcast. I know. I love it. You're uh, you're always a great person to to talk races with. We have a very good chemistry. When you know someone really well, you can flow. We can have some fun. We can joke around a little bit. I always tell you like, oh, it'll be probably like 20, 30 minutes, and then we go double whatever I say, you know, because we're both just gonna keep talking and uh, we have a good time. But uh, I really appreciate it, and we've always gotten great feedback every time we've had you on the show. So look forward to bringing you back again real soon. I look forward to that as well. Good luck on Breeders' Cup. Thank you so much. That's Angela Herman. You heard how to give her a follow on social media. And we will be right back. Don't go anywhere as we continue along Breeders' Cup Saturday. Good luck to Angela in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. And a big thank you to Angela for helping us out. That was excellent analysis there. As you can tell, she really uh, puts the time in and does her homework. So a quick recap for me. I do like both a case I kind of have a top tier of like four to five in yeah I know that's not giving you a, the greatest uh, way to wager on this race but because of the way where this race falls and because I'm going to be singling CC in the prior race I do want to make sure that I'm correct about this race in 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 and if CC beats Gamin that way a lot of people will be knocked out. And I want to make sure if I'm closing the pick five in that situation that I am and blocked up really well. So a case of you on the ticket, uh, Emirati Anna on the ticket, the nine Kamari on the ticket, the 11 and 12, who we were talking quite a bit about with Angela, uh, both going to be on the ticket. The the real logical, real honest turf sprinters, Lieutenant Dan will be in the mix in some spots and even gear jockey in some other places. There are just so many directions to go in a fantastic Fantastic renewal of the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Yeah, Fast Boat's going to be in the mix and Extravagant Kid on a couple of my tickets too. Uh, good luck. And you, yeah, you're going to need it in this race as it is a fun one. A lot of things can happen in a turf sprint too. One or two of these horses get in trouble. Everything, the whole complexion of the race changes. 6 2, 9, 11, 12 in that top tier. Below them, 4 and 10 and uh, in some other uses. So. That is race number five, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. We're going to head and talk about race number six. Next, it's the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. And uh, the gentleman talking to you about that race is going to be me, yours truly. We're going to deep dive race number six. But first, let's hear a little bit about SarahCandles.com. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Sense for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. These candles at uh, sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, they are non-toxic so they have soy wax which means no toxins no carcinogens no pollutants if you are someone who burns candles or uh, some of your friends or family do they've probably been burning candles that have the traditional paraffin wax which is just not as healthy for you tell them to take a look at sarahcandles.com when you use the promo code g-i-n-o it'll get you 10 percent off your purchase they're gonna have all of the great 
different scents that you've you've seen and probably a, a lot of other ones that you haven't seen. And it's a local small business here in Southern California. I know Tyler Herringer, who is a created Sarah Candle Company. I've grown up with him my whole life. He wanted to create a candle that was just one that him and his friends and his family could use that was healthier, that was cleaner burning for you. And when they did so, they actually found out that by using the soy wax, you get a better burn. It, the, the wax will actually burn longer for you. So it ends up being more affordable in the long run, healthier, saves you some money. We're going to save you a little more money with that promo code G-I-N-O. Check out sarahcandles.com. Holidays are coming up right now. We're always looking for some gifts to get. There's some of your family and your friends. You're never sure what to get them. Hey, give them a couple of these candles, different scents, different moods for different seasons. SarahCandles.com, promo code G-I-N-O. Gets you 10% off your purchase. Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. Folks, this is the big-ass fans, Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. Yeah, that's the sponsor of race number six on Saturday. The Dirt Mile, the big-ass fans Dirt Mile. It's fun, right? Anytime we can get the opportunity to say that and feel like, I'm allowed to say that? That would have been something when I was working on on TVG. I would have asked and made sure, hey, like, I can say, I can say ass, right? Well, yeah, it's the the sponsor. It's the title sponsor. Sometimes there's a horse's name that you feel like is, like, dirty. You know, if if it's like a slang term or if there's some sort of name that, you know, it it reminds you of something and you feel like you shouldn't say it. I, I had a few of those moments there, especially in harness racing. They they get a little uh they get a little uh a little edgy sometimes with some of those uh, harness racing names. Let's jump into the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile race number six. Let's make a little money in here. We're going to talk about this field. It's not the the biggest field in the world, just a field of eight, and we do have a heavy heavy favorite in here. And Life is Good installed as the four to five morning line favorite. This guy is legit, folks. So he he is really really good. Remember him. He broke his maiden impressively. He won the sham, and then he won the San Felipe. And he w- at that point in March, he was the horse who likely would have been favored in the Kentucky Derby. I know essential quality was perfect at that point, but Life is Good was one of those horses who was doing it so impressively on the front end and earning some really big figures in, in doing so. It was always a little quirky, though. Remember, he would kind of drift out, and he was getting out, and then there was the stuff about him looking at the video board, and then we weren't sure, and then all of a sudden, he's he's injured, and he's he's gone from March to August, and when he shows back up, he's not in the Bob Baffert barn anymore. He's running for Todd Pletcher, and then he shows up in the, the Jerkins. He runs into Jackie's Warrior, who is... Incredible! Jackie's Warrior is going to be in the Breeders' Cup Sprint that we will talk about with Craig Milkowski in just a bit. And Jackie's Warrior has had an awesome year. Life is good. Not having raced since March, went toe-to-toe with Jackie's Warrior. They threw it down. There might have been a little bit of, of I don't even want to say bad ride, but it's a little bit of possible rider error in just the way that Life is Good was handled in that race. But he was ultra impressive nonetheless. And then he came back less than a month later in the Kelso, going a mile to give him a really good prep for this. So he was able to stretch out from seven to a mile. He comes here in this Breeders' Cup dirt mile, and he is no doubt the one to catch. He is no doubt the one that they'll all have to beat. And he is... Honestly, one of the better horses in training right now. We'll see if he can show up with a, a big performance. If he wins this Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, you'd have to imagine that uh, 
it's going to be uh, bigger. It's on, on to even bigger and, and possibly the uh, the classic division. We'll see if this is a horse who they think can go that far or wants to go that far. But we already know he can succeed at the distances uh, up to a mile. And we know he can succeed at the sprint distances and keep top, top class in doing so. I mean, look at who he dusted early on in his career. Medina Spirit multiple times. And we know what Medina Spirit came back to do. Oh, yeah. Win the Kentucky Derby. Crossed the wire first there. He's just recently beaten older. Yeah, I know. Medina Spirit has... He's polarizing, right? We don't know exactly how good that horse is. But if we're just talking about this from a gambling perspective, I think that's what you have to do with uh, a lot of the Medina Spirit stuff and a lot of the Baffert stuff and some of the Baffert runners, right? We can have a conversation about whether or not you feel like things that have happened with those horses were when they had positive tests were were the the punishments fitting of of the uh, the infractions you know things like that's a but that's a different conversation because now and because I most of the times and we've talked about it here I agree with you I would like there to be a little bit stricter punishment a little bit more consistency a little bit more transparency but that's all sort of stuff that happens before now if you are playing these races if you're handicapping these races to play them we have to look at them and treat every horse you know without a bias and how can they win this race life is good isn't a, a Baffert horse anymore i just was mentioning that because of you know seeing medina spirit in the running lines and and wondering with some of these horses you know maybe how good are they or, or how much did certain things help lift them life is good in the two starts for pletcher has been very very good and he is the one to catch and beat in here Let's go inside to outside with the Silver State. What a year for this dude, huh? What an incredible season for him. And it really started at the end of 2020. He wins a first-level allowance at Keeneland. He wins a second-level allowance at Churchill in November of 2020. He wins the fifth season for his third in a row at Oaklawn in January. Comes back and wins the Essex in at Oaklawn in March for win number five in a row. Comes back and wins the Grade Two Oaklawn Handicap at Oaklawn in April, then wins the Grade One Met in a what was a really tough race on paper in June. What a what a few months from October to Belmont first level allowance, second level allowance, all of those Oaklawn older horse stakes races, fifth season Essex and Oaklawn Handicap, boom 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 swept them, then over to uh, Belmont for the Met. Wins that one at five to one. Then he's off from Bel- um, from Belmont's meet to Saratoga's meet from like June to August, two months. And when he returns, he's third in the Whitney behind Nick's Go. And that's, you know, when Nick's Go gets away, you can't really hold it against any of the horses who are running behind him because he, if Nick's Go gets the lead and, and is cruising and nobody pushes him, then we understand why they can't make up ground. It was the last race that was a little bit disappointing at Parks, where. He he missed the break. He was last and he was seventh in that field of seven. He was about six or seven lengths off. He made a big wide move and he opened up about three or four lengths. And or he opened up, excuse me, about a length, like three quarters of a length. Three, four. I had three fourths written down, <laughs> not three to four, three quarters of a length. And he, he looked like he was just going to win easily. And I think that's what Ricardo Santana Jr. thought. I think he sort of geared him down a little bit and then mind control came back by the time Ricardo realized and tried to get back into him it was just a little bit too late I do think he was the best horse in that race he'll save all the ground 
he will hope that somebody or perhaps multiple horses in this race can help to soften up life is good. He hopes to stalk, pounce, and he's just 1.6 million that he's earned so far in 2021. He's won four of his six starts. What a year for Silver State. The the connections, uh, they have done a fantastic job managing this one. We move to the Deuce, Pingjang, who comes into this off back-to-back stakes wins, but we haven't seen him since June over at Hanshin. And I've I've referenced this a few times in the dirt races with some of the Japanese horses and, and some of the international horses when their race is on the dirt. I don't think they can really stack up with some of the American speed. And in a race like this, with a horse like Life is Good, with another horse like Ginobili, who's really fast and capable of putting up big, big figures. You've got Silver State, who's in excellent form. I don't think this horse is going to quite be ready for how fast they could be going in here. Life is good is legitimate. This is a horse who sprinting could go sub-22 easily without even being asked. Just respect for the uh, the two in here quite a bit. But I have to watch a race from this particular horse who only has one race since April, and that was in June. And now you come in here trying to deal with the, the some of the better milers on the dirt or just some really, really good horses that might have been maybe a cut below the classic types or maybe they just can't go a mile and a quarter. These are not bad horses in here. I think might might be a little too tough for Ping Zhang as we get to Ginobili. Gino Beely, basically. I love when Ginobili runs because I, I look at it and it's, it's my name. G-I-N-O-B. It's like I'm filling out the... Uh, uh, filling out the test when I'm in, in school. G-I-N-O-B. Gino Beely. Ginobili. Let's see if he can score another one. How incredible was he in his last two performances, right? So the thing about Ginobili, he's always had ability. He showed us some of that early on in his career. The The race that we all remember, I think, was the San Vicente when he was second behind Nadal. He ran huge that day. He battled all the way around. He really made Nadal work. But it almost felt like that race kind of zapped him a little bit. Like it took something out of him. Because after that San Vicente, he went over to Oaklawn Park. He did not run well sprinting. They stretched him back out. He didn't run well there at all. He went to the bench from May to August of 2020. Came back. He tried the turf a few times. One of those races was good. But then after the October race, he was sent to the bench again from October of 2020 to May of 2021. When he returned in May, they tried the turf. He had a little bit of trouble. Didn't run all that well. Came back at six and a half on the dirt against first level allowance company. Didn't run all that well. A little bit of early trouble there, but he, he ran into a, a sharp horse at that time named Howbeit. And then on July the 17th, blinks come on, light bulb goes on. And on uh, that July 17th race, he absolutely crushed. He was sitting three wide pressing, and he just drew off going one mile over this racetrack at Del Mar. He did it without being asked. He was 6-1 to one that day. He earned a 104 buyer speed figure in winning that race. Comes back on August the 28th, and he was hustled a little bit from the rail. He immediately got over to the two-path. It was a beautiful ride. By Drayden Van Dyke to get him outside. He stalked second just off. He just put away the, uh, the the pace setter. And he opened up. He was never even really asked. His last two races both over this track have been awesome. 
Good enough to beat a horse like Life is Good. Good enough to beat a horse like Silver State. He hadn't consistently shown that kind of greatness throughout his career, but he teased that talent earlier on. Was it just that the blinker is going on? And then, boom, he's been incredible. Ginobili is a major, major player in here. Can he sit off of Life is Good? Will they try to get in front of him? He's drawn to the inside of Life is Good, so that may hurt him if he wants to sit off. Drayden could try to do something similar to what he did last time out when he was able to shift him out from the inside really nicely early on. The number four is next door. That is Jasper Prince. This is another one who, you know, he comes in from Japan. He is a stakes winner on September the 11th. At least he has a little bit more recency. And last year he was in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. He actually set the pace in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. So we do know that this horse has legitimate speed when able to go that fast and to be involved in the early pace in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. The problem is no stick in that race. This is a horse who has raced recently only in the like six and seven for a long range. So not even exactly sure if the mile is is something to his liking. Jasper Prince has only been a mile twice on the turf, finishing seventh and ninth in those. Yeah, just can't really make that great of a case for the four in here. We spoke uh, about Life is Good to uh, open the the race preview. We now move to Restrained Vengeance, who I don't know if, you know, I think you could do worse for an underneath horse at a big, big price. He's got some decent dirt form. He's kind of a grinder. So he he's not going to storm past the field, but he could fall into a really good trip where he's picking up some pieces. He's passing some tired horses. If life is good and Ginobili end up going after each other early on, maybe even a horse like Eight Rings is sitting close. Well, then all of a sudden, this pace is going to be quick. And a horse like Restrained Vengeance should benefit in that situation. I think he's at least an underuse. This is a grade three winner on the grass. He was behind Art Collector in the Charlestown Classic two starts back in a race that just didn't shape up all that well for him. Didn't run poorly, honestly, to finish fourth there. He is not a bad animal. And I think he may get completely overlooked in here. Use him in in some of the under spots, at least in the two, three, four spots. As we get to Snapper Sinclair. This is the horse I like in here. Um, I'm going to use him in Life is Good in all exotics. So I'm going to build everything around the 5 and 7. Snapper Sinclair is 12 to 1 on the morning line. So let's look at some of his recent form. He comes out of a race where he was second in the grade 2 Eddie D last time out. He was 8th, about 6 lengths off. He was outside, down the hill, and he started to roll. And he angled around, and he was moving. And what I like is that was 6.5 furlongs on the turf. Now he's going to stretch back out to a mile on the dirt. So that's a perfect style of prep you come running late now you go back to a mile look what he did at the mile and 70 on the turf course at Kentucky two starts back he went gate to wire but he's not really that type of horse honestly he's not really a speed speed demon and in this race there's no way he's going to be on the lead with the presence of life is good and the presence of Ginobili and even someone like eight rings that should benefit him he should end up getting a great, great trip. Look at the race to me that jumps off the page. It's the one at Oaklawn in February. That's the kind of trip he should get, right? 
that February 4th race where he was sitting third two to three lengths off and and just is able to move to the lead because the race falls apart in front of him and there's a, there's a little too much speed. You've got Joel Rosario jumping aboard, aboard the absolute best finisher in the game. Snapper Sinclair is going to be going third start off of the the layoff, third start of the form cycle. Took a shot in the Godolphin Mile. Didn't run poorly there either. Didn't run a winning race, but wasn't completely disgraced there. This is a horse who was second in the Cigar Mile at the end of last year. He's really sneaky. He's coming into this race in really nice form. I love the way that the prep should set him up for this. Snapper, Sinclair, I'm going to be using in all exotics. If he is over 10 to 1, I'm going to make a win wager on him, and I'm going to hook up 5 7 in everything. Those will be the two horses I use in Maltese, 5 7, and then we'll play 5 7 over the one Silver State, the six Restrained Vengeance, and the three Ginobili. So 7 5, 5 7, and then 5 7 over 1, 6, and 3 in some of those exotics. That is the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. I mean, you've heard a lot of my voice in a lot of these shows. I had to give you a little bit more of it right there for the uh, the horse-by-horse analysis of the Dirt Mile. Hopefully we led you in the right direction and uh, were able to uh, to get Snapper Sinclair in the mix somewhere. Let's go from Dirt Mile to Philly and Mare Turf. Up next, it's going to be John Moosis. This is a really great conversation with John. He's going to be joining uh, for the first time. I worked with John at TVG. He was a researcher and then a producer. John is very, very smart when it comes to horse racing history. When it just comes to, he's a very good gambler. Um, He's a very good handicapper. And he just knows a lot about horse racing. A lot about international horse racing. Horses' plans. He reads a ton. He knows where they're going. We play in a fantasy horse racing league together. So we're always kind of looking for um, what horses' plans are and what they're you know, their schedule is going to be like for each year. So John shares some insight, some things that I would have never known uh, about a lot of these horses running in the Philly and Mare Turf. This is a good group. This is a fun race. It's a good betting race. There is legitimate quality in here. We go horse by horse. We spent about 45 minutes jumping into the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf race number seven for Del Mar Saturday Breeders' Cup. We keep moving along on the Saturday Breeders' Cup card, and we are up to race number seven. It is the Philly and Mare Turf, and our next guest is a first-time guest on That's What G Said podcast. I, uh, a gentleman who I worked with at TVG, he was a researcher and then a producer, someone who I had to think a little bit about asking before because – He's probably heard me curse more like uh, uh, off the air while I was rooting for horses, and he may have some stories that could probably get me into some trouble, but I don't think he's going to get me in trouble. I don't think he's the kind of guy who would release those stories. I'm talking about John Moosis, a very sharp handicapper. He's going to help us out with this Billy and Mare turf, so you're not going to get me in trouble, right, Moose? No, no, I will keep those under wraps for the purposes of this G-rated podcast. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and uh, yeah. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, out of out of your uh, your schedule to help us out. And when we talked about um, having you come on uh, and pick out a race, I'm glad you picked one of the races that has a little bit of European influence because you're someone who is you were a researcher at TVG. You're a horse racing fan. You love racing, but you're definitely not just a fan of American racing. You love all international racing. You pay attention to some of the big races uh, all over the place. You, you know, were 
that was part of your job for for many years and it's something that you've you've stuck to and so i think you you are someone who is like really interested in these types of races you and i play in the fantasy horse racing league too so we love you know these kind of things where we're looking at where horses are plotting out their courses who might be coming over for the breeders cup this is stuff we're sort of looking at months in advance so um you you actually Kind of said, hey, you know what? I like that the Philly and Mirror Turf division. So this has always been something that interests you, right? You've always kind of been really into the international scene. Yeah, I really do. It's um, it's kind of a hobby. I love to analyze form. I love to dissect performances. And um, as you said, I follow international racing pretty extensively. I worked um, for Australian racing simulcast for a number of years and really try to follow the European circuit as much as I can in Japan and Hong Kong. So yeah, I love it. And I think this race is kind of interesting from that perspective because you're having horses come in from all over the world. Um, and it, and interestingly enough, it's the first Lasix-free Braiders Cup we've really had. And that, yeah. if you listen to a lot of the connections from overseas, especially Japan, they've really talked about how their uh, participation has sort of been encouraged by the fact that all these horses are on a level playing field mm-hmm. now. So it's a, it's it's a more really inviting dynamic. Yeah, it's more inviting. It's it's. It's one thing to, you know, have to deal with shipping a long ways, taking a lot to get to a to get to a race, to get to a track, and then yeah. you feel like once you get there, you're not on that even playing field. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like, that's just it. It it really discourages some of the top top horses, and we've seen that in recent years where I, I don't think we've been getting some some years. We'll still get really good, really good groups that come over, but some years it just doesn't feel like the best best horses internationally will want to come and, and test the Breeders' Cup, which is what this was meant to be when it was started. Right? It was supposed to be like the the world championships with all the best, and a lot of times, unfortunately, we end up getting the. You know that the U.S. title, you know, they call what the 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 NBA, the national, or the you know the world the world champs, yeah, the world title, but it's really just a North American title. Yeah, and yeah. I think, and I think you've sort of seen that, and also the extension of the winning your in races, like the Breeders' Cup, is now giving you know all all paid expenses paid trips to you know South African horses and Japanese horses and those kind of things. So yeah, this is kind of more what it was meant for. It was meant to be an international world championship sort of event. So yeah. We've got some quality uh, imports in this race too. Uh, there are a couple really, really nice ones who have uh, who have faced yep. top-notch company here. We have a, a really good U.S.-based filly in Warlike Goddess who has just done so little wrong in her career. Like she may not be as good as the Euros, and she may not have faced anything close to what she's facing here. But it's it's really hard to knock her form overall what she's done. So I thought this shapes up for a race where. I mean, I would. We're probably going to have a couple seven to two ish shots. I don't think we're going to have. Do you think yeah. anyone's going to get a ton of like overwhelming support in here? Yeah. No. You know, I kind of think the morning line is pretty close. I don't think yeah. in, in terms of the top three or four choices in there. And I think I think the danger here, from like a betting standpoint, is you could conceivably have you know four or five horses that are you know somewhere in the three to one to eight to one range and they mm-hmm. could kind of all cannibalize the value yeah. off of each other a little You're bit right. so you don't have a real true value horse but it's a really interesting betting race in those top three or four spots 
Yeah, totally agree. So we're gonna go horse by horse. We'll start on the inside, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about each one, give you some thoughts as we uh, take a look at going to Vegas. So we're looking at race number seven for Saturday. We're up to the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf, and we're looking at Del Mar's uh, sun, uh, seventh race for November the sixth. Mile and three eighths on the turf course. Going to Vegas. This is a Grade One winner, a multiple graded stakes winner, and. She is a really, really nice filly. She's sort of established herself as like the best of the West uh, yeah. distance turfers. The problem is the distances are still really haven't been as far as she's going to go today. I mean, she's been this far before, but I'm not really sure if she wants to go like a mile and three eighths, a mile and a quarter. Sort of felt like it was kind of pushing it already for her. Yeah. Uh, no, no, like no knocks on her overall as an animal, but we don't the West. A lot of times the divisions just aren't very deep and, and you can get some horses that are really good at the top of the divisions But I, I just don't know if she's better than like some of the East Coast horses here And then some of the Euros So while I respect the heck out of her as a horse I just, you know, she's got some tactical speed Maybe she can hang around and and, and hit the board because of that But I just, I don't think she's in the same ballpark with some of the tops in here Yeah you know, as a blanket statement, I think the Americans are kind of up against it in here, and that's mm-hmm. just uh, I totally agree. Yeah, but, and you know what? There's not even like it it's funny because you just look, there's no like logical Chad Brown runner, really, right? No. like the you, you kind of would expect that he would in this kind of a spot, he's usually pretty loaded with at least a couple, but the the Chad Brown horses really do feel like long shots in here. They do. And you know, just just by the relative weakness of the division overall, and which is kind of funny because I was reading today that I think American-based horses have won seven of the nine Philly and Mare turfs that have been running. Which just seems absurd. So yeah, that just... seems. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, going to Vegas hasn't really done much wrong. Um, the draw is not going to hurt her because on paper she kind of looks like the controlling speed, so she probably just goes from the inside. But I think the question with her, other than you know the obvious class questions, is. You know, can she make that that tactical advantage count? Because you and I kind of lament at times about the way turf races are run in this country, right? Like oh, yeah. Everything is turned into these sort of sit and sprint type affairs with the riders of these speed horses that don't really ever take truly advantage, take advantage of the speed as a weapon, right? Yeah. So, you know, is she going to go out there in 47 and 48 and really try to t- test them and extend, you know, extend them a little bit? Or... You know, is she going to lope along in 49 and 50 and compress the field? In which case, she's probably going to get swallowed up by the horses that have a superior turn of foot, you know? Yep. And so, I mean, Rispoli is one of those, like, more tactically astute riders. But I think it's kind of fair to question, like you said, whether this is her best trip. I think 11 furlongs is kind of getting to her limit. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you would have to think that he may ride her a bit more conservatively. So to have some backfires finish. Yeah. It, so, it's funny. It's, it's the similar thing with a horse that half he um he particularly I've had a uh, like uh, some issues and actually he rode him better last time smooth like straight he sometimes does that with him you know he's, yeah he's like a, where he will just kind of wait 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 and wait so long that it's like ah if you would have just opened up like a length okay. earlier or like a half length you would have gotten that advantage and yeah. that's you know I sort of feel that same thing here where if you wait too long. You, you, your your advantage is going to be you're either sitting a perfect trip and you fall into it before everybody else comes and you can jump open up then or you just kind of try to steal it from from the the rail early on. Yeah, and I think and I think she, you know, she's in a tough spot because if you don't think a horse stays, 
you can't make that aggressive earlier mm -hmm. move because mm -hmm. you're going to want to try to save something. Yep. I mean, the one thing I will say for her, like she's steadily improved by any like numerical figure approach yep. that you want to use yep. from, you know, the time that she debuted. But what's kind of interesting about her is like she hasn't really had any significant break since she debuted in 2019. And I mean, she has like these two short little layoff lines, which yeah, is like a couple months. Yeah, which by today's standards, that's not even a layoff anymore, no. the, way, the way horses are campaigned. So, she, I mean, she's pretty salty. You know, Baltus is kind of like Mark Cassie in my book. Like, he loves to run his horses, and he's not afraid to draw a line through a race and come right back mm -hmm. with them. So you have to give it up to her. She's tough filly, but, yeah, you know, I, I probably I probably want something higher than 12 to 1 if I'm really going to take a stab with her, though, you know? If, like... The, I mean, I could if you're if you like horses in here and you're playing, ex, you know, exact as in try, uh, tries and supers in the third and fourth spots with her speed, I'd I'd probably want a piece of her in those yeah. positions. But Agreed. you know, I like yeah, from the win end, I don't know. I think I, I agree with you. I need a little more to be enticed or to just to feel a little more confident that they were going to handle her super aggressively and get yeah. the kind of trip that I think she would need to beat horses that are just probably better than her. Probably better than her. Yeah, I agree. Let's get to Pocket Square, who is yeah. one who. Yeah, this is a. Did you have this horse in 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 fantasy? Yeah, I did. I thought so. Yeah. Okay. So she she's one who's like she's she's kind of like a bully, right? She she'll beat up on the ones that she's just way better than, and 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 sort of <laughs> looks super good when she does it. And then the couple times they've tried to step her up in in a little bit better, she just she's been a little bit flat. And yeah, she, that's, an, that's you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved her debut at Keeneland, and I really thought that she was going to be that next one for Chad, you know. And then, like you said, th she ran two really flat races against grade one company. Chad kind of made it ex some excuses for her in the Just a Game. He said that she had missed a work because of some weather, and she didn't like the firm ground. But then when she came back in the Diana and she ran exactly the same race, mm -hmm. it just kind of confirmed it thereafter because she beat up an, an allowance company and then won a really soft grade three um, and the speed and, figures uh, suggest it too, right? They do. They really do. And Chad said off that, that last win that, you know, she had kind of changed his mind and he thought her, her future was going longer, which, you know, I guess makes sense because she's a bit slow. And generally speaking, like in this country, longer means slower, right? You know, but yeah. I'm, I'm a bit suspicious. Like she hasn't run terribly fast. She hasn't beaten good horses. Now, like if you wanted, if you buy that, that she's better suited to longer and you wanted to find like a positive, she did show a really nice turn of foot in that last race. And mm -hmm. it was a pretty slow, early, fast, late profile, which she's probably going to get again here, I would imagine. And I mean, she finished up sub 12 in that race. Um, you know, her dam won this race in 2010, has, has already produced a Breeders' Cup winner um, in sharing and, you know. I, I I'm never I'm never the type that was like the most basic on this either and and she won't be in any of my exotics but this is definitely one of those ones where we we could look back after this race and go like are you telling me Chad Brown and I read her he's paid 30 bucks or whatever you know she would she might yeah. pay if she wins this race but I just don't like like no I, I no, can't she doesn't I mean, do it for me and that you know it's just yeah I can't see it I mean if if you want to throw in one more positive, I mean, Chad absolutely cannot lose right now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is pretty tall order here, I think. Yeah, she was, and even the way she was handled, they just kind of handled her in her last race like she was the best. Yeah. Just kind of kept her in the clear, you know, mm -hmm. keep her out of trouble. And then in, in, I, I have that worry, like if she got, gets in a little trouble or she's down inside and she's got to shuffle and move around, like 
Yeah, I, I can't see her having to to like the kind of turn of foot that some of these have late. Yeah, um, I think. There. Yeah, yeah. As we move to Akinella, we have uh, Akinella who comes in uh, most recently raced over in Ireland, and she did have some legit traffic. And I think she can be better than that. But the question is, if she's better than her last race, and even if she, you know, goes back to the Group Three win uh, two starts back when she won uh, yeah. over at the Cura, can she do it against Group One company at this distance? Because We've never seen her go more than a mile and an eighth so far. Now she's going to try to go a mile and three eighths. And you know a lot of these levels of races better than me, but it just doesn't feel like she's been keeping nearly the same kind of company that some of the other top horses in here have. Um, yes and no. So just she's kind of an interesting horse. And cool, nice. You know, yeah. When I so when I when I see a horse that doesn't look like they obviously fit in a race. I kind of like to think like an owner or a trainer and ask why? myself, why, why are, are they here? Right. And so she's owned by Judmont. And on first glance, she kind of looks like that underexposed type that would come over, get a run, and then kind of stay here in the country with one of their US-based trainers like Chad or Bill Mott or Brad Cox. So I actually looked into it a little bit, and that's exactly what's happening. She's going to have a run, and then she's going to campaign here next year. So I think you kind of have to let that inform your thinking a little bit. Um, you know, her pedigree at first glance doesn't scream distance, but if you dig a little deeper, the dam is a half-sister to Flintshire, who, if some people remember, was a really tough mm-hmm. one for a long horse. Um, the trainer thinks she wants to go longer, and I would kind of agree watching her races. Um, as you pointed out, that run blast out, she did have some significant trouble. They just they just kind of walked in front of her for the first yeah. quarters of that race. I mean, they they must have gone three quarters in like 117, 118 or something. It was ridiculously slow. And then like two furlongs out when everybody just went for home, she went for a hole and she got shut off. And she was really hampered for about four or five strides when everybody mm-hmm. was just like flat to the board and motoring. And she just lost all chance. I don't think she was going to win the race. But that was a pretty good group in front of yeah. her. The winner was a grade one winner prior to that. And Pearls Galore and Mother Earth, who were second and third respectively, and they're are running in the Breeders' Cup mile. So, you know, there's some class in there. I think she has an upward form cycle. I think you can project some improvement. But how much is really the question. Like, I, I think she has some legit appeal as an underneath type, though. Sure. And and she's going to be double digit odds. She yeah. She's not going to be one that gets ha- that gets bad, I don't think. No, she I, don't, I don't think so either. I think there's too many others in here that you can make a case for that are going to take some money. So I think she'll drift significantly from that 12 morning line. I agree. I wouldn't be shocked if she's 15 to 20. And yeah. then that's, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of very, very interesting horse that can really help spice up your exotics, depending on how you're approaching, you know, early, like middle, if you're playing pick fours, pick fives, that kind of stuff. These are the kind of fun horses that can separate you if you just have a, a reason or two. And you know, this is a, a wide open enough race to get a little value, throw this horse in somewhere, and at least in some underneath spots. Akinella, as uh, we move along to Rougier, the number four, who um, I was pretty impressed with. Uh, the the last victory in the Opera last time out was uh, was pretty far out of it. I think three from the back in the the field of fourteen, probably double digit lengths behind or so, and was just waiting patiently, covered up. Angle to the extreme outside and it was just Boom press the button very determined Kick yep. and I, It's really tough to knock 
some of her recent form. I mean, she has been right on the wire in about four straight and yeah. keeping you know, top-notch company. We see Mother Earth in there. I think yeah. the horse in that race, three starts back in Deauville, came right out of that to win a group three next out. Yep. She, to me, is is in like a, like a lot of my exotics. I think she, she really fits well in here. Yeah, she's a three-year-old filly trending the right way, and I think that's really coincided with her stretching out. Like, if you look early in her career, they've been running her a mile, even mm-hmm. some seven-eighths earlier on. And I think in large part, that's because she's wanted pace to run at, which you're more likely to get going shorter. But when you watch her races, she takes a minute to get going. Yes, she's like she a choo-choo, right? She's got to yeah, get chugging a little bit. She's not She's not quick. She yes. gets fast when she gets that momentum built up. Yeah, she doesn't quicken like a miler. But once she gets going, she just keeps coming, you know? And, you know, her trainer says she handles any type of ground, which, I mean, you're just going to kind of have to take his word for it because most of her races have been on sort of softish ground. Um, There are two exceptions. If you look on her firm ground races, and they're probably two of her more disappointing efforts. So it's kind of hard to reconcile that with what the trainer says. But Mm -hmm. he also expects that the American racing is going to suit her a little bit better because she's going to have some pace to run at, even though. You know, we just talked about sometimes American turf races can often lack that legitimate pace. They're still probably run at a faster, more legit mm-hmm. clip than most European races are, especially mm-hmm. in France. So I don't I don't think the 11 furlongs is going to be a problem. She finished in front of a deep field last out with Adaria and Thundering Knights, who was a grade one winner and actually came over here earlier in the summer and just missed to mean Mary in the New York handicap. Um, you know, all that said, though. Because she kind of lacks that ability to quicken, I don't know that I love her unless the race falls apart. And I just I can't see that happening because there's not a ton of pace. No, there's not. There's not that much early speed signed on. So she, yeah, you're right. It's going to be a, she's going to be a needing that that right type of trip. Somebody's going to have to move into the race early to quicken yeah. things up, and maybe yeah. that speeds the tempo up, and that can help her. Um, but you're right. Just from a pure, like, she looks the part. In in a, like her class, the way she's trending, the way she's coming in, it's just maybe the race shape doesn't seem all that beneficial for her here. Yeah, I think it. I think if you like her to win, six to one is a bit short for my liking. But she's definitely an exotic player. But I'd want I'd want higher than that to better to win. I and I and I would expect her to drift up just a tad because I I think there's others here that are going to draw some more legitimate money than she will. Right next door to her is probably one of the bigger prices in this field. You've got Queen Supreme, who comes into this race off of the uh, the the Group Two race over at Newmarket, and was just n- never really involved there. And, and she's a tough one with form that you know she's a a horse who's a Group One winner, but a lot of times the form in was it, that South America is that the South, South America form. Or South African Africa form, yeah. So it's just you, like those horses are so hard to stack up. Sometimes to see where they stack up And we tried to get a little bit of an idea for her last time I mean this is just a like a really tough spot For her off of not recent Great form what do you think about Queen Supreme Yeah again we talked A little bit earlier about the win in your ins Extending into some of these other countries And she's here because she won a win in your in In South Africa um, You know she's She's co-owned she's actually co-owned by Michael Decock who's you know South African champion mm-hmm. trainer many times over And she had some really good form there and the top, you know, the very, very top horses in South Africa traditionally have acquitted themselves okay internationally. 
So they centered Andrew Balding in England. And it's the one thing I will say about that race is it's really tough for South African horses to travel because they have to do these really long, intensive quarantines whenever mm-hmm. they leave the country. And so she was only in England for about two months and she wasn't fit at all. But you know, so she even, could get better with racing, but how much better, right? Yeah, could and you can probably draw a line through that, but you would have liked to have seen a little something to inspire mm-hmm. some confidence. I think she's yeah. she's just in super tough here, and it's it's you know. And the other the other thing worth noting is that their first preference was the mile, and she didn't get in. And if you look at her past performances, eleven furlongs looks a bit beyond her. We move along to love, 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 love. Number six, love is a, this is a nice animal. She, she's a really nice animal. And she's coming into this, uh, to this race. And she's coming off of an effort that uh, I ended up watching back a couple times because it, it was, it was good. I thought that, I thought that she probably would have won the race last year. Um, um, but but that's still pretty good enough form to stack up very, very well in this race. Like she might not have to be as good as she was last year to come in here and compete with some of the best. She's just super honest. Uh, she's been really, really nice. She was behind Mishrif two starts back. Yeah. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about love in here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was glad she opted for this spot as opposed to the turf because I think that she like instantly becomes the most interesting horse to talk about in the race. Yeah. Because like you said, she's going to divide a lot of opinions and draw some money away from some others in here. So, you know, she's always wanted firmer ground. Last year, she was going to be the favorite for the arc and they withdrew her because there was soft ground. They put her away and everybody thought that she was going to be this, you know, all conquering Philly for Aiden this year. And she started off the year really nicely by beating Odaria at Royal Ascot. She looked like she was going to kick on and have like a great campaign. And, you know, her next two races she ran into some bears. I mean, she didn't disgrace herself. She lost a Mishrif and the Derby winner at ER. Um, so, I mean, in that context, there was nothing to really be discouraged about, but her last start, that's where things get kind of dicey and where the two camps sort of divide. Like she dropped into a group two against her own sex. They said it was a prep for the arc and figure wise, she ran pretty close to her career best figure but she was beaten by a filly that you would expect her to beat on mm-hmm. prior form. And then she missed the arc again. She had an elevated temperature, which she probably wouldn't have run anyway. Cause the ground. And, you, and you, like her trip, her trip too. It was a pretty good trip. Like yeah. she was right up close. She backed yeah. off second. She sat, she angled outside. It wasn't like she had to overcome stuff and she got nailed at the wire. I mean, it was a tough beat, but it just, like she it felt probably, like the, she, it, she didn't won that race. Excuse, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the interesting thing. Like she got an elevated temperature. They withdrew her from the arc and then they were going to go to British champions day two weeks later. And then her blood work came back a little wonky and they didn't want to go to that. Now that all sounds like, oh man, that's a lot of stuff going wrong. Like, so if you're in the against her camp, you have that, but I'll give you a positive view if you really want it better, because it's not the ideal way to come and do a race. No, but a lot of Aiden's horses by the time they get to the Breeders' Cup, they're over the top. Mm-hmm. Runs his horses. One or hard. too many races in there. Yep. He runs them hard. He runs them in the best races. And they come here at the end of long campaigns. And I, you know, I think if she had been fit, she probably would have run in the ARC and British Champions Day. And this would be like 
her third tough race in five weeks. So she could accidentally, it sounds funny, but she could no, it does. be fresh for yeah. this race and sitting on a winning race here. Yeah. Talk about you know? the all time backfire, right? You think one of those? Yeah. Like it just, it, sometimes like, it's a blessing in disguise, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and tactically, she's probably the most versatile horse in the race. She can mm-hmm. lead, she can stalk, she can sit back if somehow the pace is fast. You know, Ryan Moore made some pretty tactical, you know, bold tactical moves in big races. So you could see a scenario where maybe he's just, he's sitting just off going for Vegas or going to Vegas and, you know, Knowing he goes for Vegas. Well, for long. <laughs> That's what you were thinking, right? You were thinking he's going for Vegas. <laughs> and knowing, you know, knowing that she stays twelve furlongs, makes an early move, gets first run on the closers, and race over. Yeah. You know, yeah. She she looks good. Like any any conversation, I think you like we said, she's the the most interesting to talk about in the race. As sure. uh, there are just a, like a lot of things to like, some things you can pick at, many things like you mentioned you can discuss with with some of her recent form and races that she that she missed and how that may impact her here. But she is a a major major player in this race, and she's lined up next to uh, a horse who do you think they'll probably vie for favoritism? Those two, one one of them, I think it'll probably be pretty close. I'd say. Yeah, you know, the Japan this- horse is going to take some money too. You think? She is, and yeah. but we're like goddess. Is she's the horse that I'm really having a harder time knowing what to do with than I should. So I'm I'm curious to hear your take. I I I, ve- I feel very similar because she's the type of horse who, like, as a gambler, I'm always playing against. Yeah, like I'm always playing against a horse like her who's a short price, who's going to come from way out of it. And like we've said, in a lot of the races too, it's not as if she's in races where there's a ton of pace in those races. You know, yeah. she she does just swoop by the field and yeah. absolutely crush them. And that's yeah. what makes it difficult. She does it really well in races that don't always set up all that well for her. She has one loss, but she is she's a stone cold closer. She's going to have to run by far the the best rate. She's going to be facing, I think, three or four horses in here that are probably better than any one horse she's ever faced. 100% agree. And like, that's just, my biggest concern. Yeah. You know, if there was one of them that she had to beat, but I don't know if she's better than a couple of the Euros and the and the the Japanese loves only you and like that's what, and then has to deal with possibly the pace scenario not being that fast on top of that yeah. so that that's sort of where I'm starting to 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 drift with her yeah she's you know the the long distance Philly division in this country is you know pretty weak most years but this mm-hmm. year especially I think and like she's just she just rolled over these Phillies and and not just that. But in these like uneventful, kind of easy rally wide trips where she's no. never had any trouble or adversity. And, and it pains me to say stuff like that because we shouldn't penalize a horse for no, winning no. too easily. No. But when but they're short prices, the that's the pr- that's what we have to do when they're gonna be some of the shorter prices in the field. Uh, absolutely. And and I think you know what you're gonna get tactically from Leperou. She's gonna sit back and make her one run. And if they do that, you know, like you were referencing. She's going to have to give up ground, a head start, a shorter stretch to some really nice horses that are going to have first run. So I'm against her. I'm curious to see what her price is, whether some of these horses take money, more money, and she drifts up to, you know, four, nine to two, four to one, five to one, something in that range. But I feel a lot better about her at five to one, right? Just like, even though it's a little better than seven, like I feel better about her, but I still like they're just. 
there are enough things that make me concerned about her facing this kind of quality against this kind of like if this was a race where there was a good amount of speed and we had a couple concerns about the European runners in here like maybe we were saying like love maybe love has some things you can point out maybe uh yeah. we we go to the four who may not like this style of racing all that much may not be quite as like push buttony or you know may have to take a little while to get go so we you know things like that where if that was the case and there was a lot of speed then sure i would give her a lot but it just feels like three or four things that might be up against her in this spot at what's going to be one of the shorter prices in here i'm going elsewhere agreed and we go elsewhere right next door to uh, another very intriguing horse we have the japanese multiple group 1 winner and how about yeah love group 1 winner in 2019 2020 and 2021 We've got Loves Only You is another horse who's won Group 1s now um, f- over quite some time. But only one race since April for Loves Only You. And that was in August. It's second in the Sapporo Kinin was sort of mid-pack, seventh, was like six lengths off, moved to the outside. Big, big, strong, sustained move for second late was, was the favorite that day. But I, I don't – you know, I'm, I'm curious. She, she is – Really good. We saw her at Shawton win the uh, the QE2 Cup. We've seen her in Dubai show up with a really really good effort behind uh, Miss Shrift and uh, with Chronogenesis. And um, I don't really have very many knocks on her. I'm just kind of curious if you know is she right now going to be at her best in here. Do you think that the you know the the time the just the short amount of racing recently this year will help her? Will that hurt her? Tell us a little bit about Love's Only You. Yeah, so right off the bat, I'll say that she is my pick. And nice. I think it's worth saying that the Japanese historically have not sent their best horses to the Breeders' Cup. And this is, without a doubt, the best horse they've ever sent. And, you know, as for the lack of racing, that is, to me, it's one of their strengths because they've been pointing for this race all year. So nice. when the Connections announced this spring they were going to come, I thought she might fly under the radar a little bit, but from everything I'm seeing and hearing now, like the cat's kind of out of the bag. You know, she, you know, she won. She was Japanese. Wait, you're saying you you got you got one of the jackets? <laughs> I love those. <laughs> those. Those are great. great. Those are great. Yeah. <laughs> She's looked really great on track all week. Um, you know, she kind of announced herself in Dubai when she you know went down by a couple of heads to Mishrif and the Shima, and then she really backed it up when she went to Hong Kong next and beat Daring Tact, who was the Japanese Philly TR winner from the prior year. Um, they gave her a spell after that by design. Her comeback race in the Sapporo Kinnon, she wasn't fully cranked for. The winner's a pretty nice horse in and of her own right, Sadashi. Um, it was a clear prep. And I just, I think the mile and three-eighths hits her right between the eyes. And, you know, they've campaigned and prepped her specifically for this race. She's handled the travel well and looked great. I just think, my one issue is, from a betting standpoint, there's starting to be a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. The Japanese always put money into the pools. Mm-hmm. Races yeah. all over the world court these Japanese runners because of the impact that it has on their pools. And mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't be shocked if, if she, she opens there. up at a short price first click. Yeah. But that's also why I'm happy Love is in here because I think Love is going to draw enough money to keep her price from being something shorter than I would take, mm-hmm. hopefully. But I, I just think, I just think everything sets up for her. I think it, she's, she's the horse that I would, you know, squarely put my win wager on. 
Loves only you four to one on the morning line as we move along to the other Chad Brown runner and here my sister Nat it is very interesting to have a conversation about a, a top level turf race in this country and not have you know, Chad Brown contenders and feel like they're major players but I mean my sister Nat just the, the perfect example her last two wins were in the same exact race. Yeah. In, in 2020 and 2021 Which is the grade 3 And then anytime she stepped up and faced a little bit better Including Warlike Goddess And Idaria um, She just wasn't in any, any match for them Yeah I mean it, it pains me to stay She's a half sister to one of my all time favorite horses Sister Charlie But this is this seems like a reach You know she I mean she wants every bit of the ground So she'll probably you know, get over, hug the rail all the way around there and see if something opens up and tries to get a piece late. But she's just not fast enough to win. No, you know, she just does. She feels a real cut below this she this is. group. And uh, we can move along to Ocean Road right next door. So Ocean Road ran uh, third last time out on October the 8th over at Newmarket against Gro- uh, Group th- 3 Company. It was, it was a fine third last time out. Prior to that, was well defeated. I was going a mile and a half uh, back in June in Epsom. This is a lightly raced animal, though. A three-year-old filly. Tell us a little bit about Ocean Road. Yeah, I mean, she's an interesting horse on pedigree. I think, you know, that and the fact that she's so lightly raced. She's um, she's a half to a pretty tough European horse named Wigmore Hall, who came over and won a couple of group ones at Woodbine, one on firm ground, which I kind of think that's what they're looking for here. You can probably project some improvement, but probably not enough to be a factor. Um, I mean, like the owners are bringing over a few other horses to the Breeders' Cup. And again, if I'm got my owner trainer hat on and I'm trying to think why, you know, my sense is that she's probably hitching a ride on the plane. Sure. For, I was going to say they're already coming. They're already making the trip. The, it's the old don't waste a trip. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> hey, you're gonna go get a refill. Take my cup for me, real quick. I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a Pepsi. Fill that bad boy up for me, Moose. <laughs> so, yeah, it, in my mind, she should probably be the longest shot on the race in the race I, on paper. I, yeah, I, I can't see it, but yeah, yeah. She, she. I'd have to really uh the to get creative for that one. As we move to dog tag, and you know, we talked a lot about goal uh, going to Vegas. Who, you know. Is in nice form dog tag Just has been a cut below going to Vegas and there's nothing Wrong with the races that she's run For a very very capable uh, Papa Mandela you know Someone who knows how to show up and win big races On big days I just don't know what kind of trip she's gonna Get she's drawn post 11 So she's gonna have to try to A drop way back And close with horses who are Just gonna have a way way Bigger kick than her late or B, she's going to try to be more forwardly placed from the outside, which with Pratt, sometimes he does do that. And that would give her her best opportunity to at least try to snag a piece if she could maybe just track from the outside and fall into it. Um, yeah. I mean, bottom of exotics, I could, I mean, I wouldn't be completely if she was like third or fourth, but I don't think she can compete with the tops in here and, and even the, the exacta. Yeah, she's super honest, Philly. Um, Hard to see her being a factor. I mean, she collects a lot of checks in a pretty mediocre Southern California turf division. I mean, if you mm-hmm. want to make a case for a minor award, she's run some pretty credible races at Del Mar this summer. But, you know, she's kind of the the West Coast version of my sister, Nat. You know, she no, runs right. every she time. Feel good enough. Realistically, she's probably too slow to win. And we move to the outside and we take a look at last year's winner 
of uh, of the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. We've got Idaria, and since winning the race last year, she's run four times so far this year. She's 0 for 4, but uh, two close misses in, in Group 1s. She's kept top, top company. All four of those races that she's been in have been against Group 1 company. And her form is actually... It's it's pretty similar coming. It's just like it's a t- tad below what she did last year, but she threw in a uh, in the Romanette. She won the Group One Romanette, and then she was third in the Opera before winning the Philly and Mere Turf. This year, she finished second. She was only beaten a nose in the Romanette. She came back and she didn't run all that poorly either. Just based on a lot of her her figures and stuff, they were not all that different than the two races she ran. Coming into this race last year So as far as the same like form and prep And everything coming in And what we know about her that's nice uh, Moose is that Where we have some of the questions with the the Europeans and some of the other imports to where Maybe well they take to the running Style here of these turf Courses and the way that the the pace Unfolds we know that she Has yeah You know the other thing that's kind of interesting about Her is she drew the outside Again and if you if you watch last year, she, I think she was from the eleven hole last year, mm-hmm. and she got a really really good ride last year from Pierre Charles Boudot. Like she broke really well, and instead of taking a hold, which you kind of expect a lot of P- European horses to want to do, she like he got her over to the rail. He rode her aggressively down the backside to keep position, and then he got to a hole and he just wore down rushing fall and won the race. And um, interestingly enough, he. She gets William Buick this year, who won the Philly Mare Turf the last time it was at Del Mar with Wujeda. But yeah, she, you know, she started off the year really nicely with that second to love on, you know, good to firm ground. And since then, she's caught a lot of softer ground and she hasn't run terrible, but you kind of feel like she hasn't reached the same heights as she had mm-hmm. last year. Um, she strikes me as a Philly where the tighter turns and shorter stretch might not be the optimal configuration for her, but she's obviously classic enough to be a factor. And, but I I do think she's going to need a couple of things to break right for her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a betting perspective, she's going to take some name recognition money, you know, just off last year. People who remember her from last year. Yep. Yeah. And so she might, I mean, she might be a tad underlay off, you know, a record that's, you know, less impressive than it was the year before, but you know, it's hard, it's hard to knock her. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing like a couple of the, I'm with you in that. I'm just not quite as sold on the, the American contingent. And it feels like the three that we've, I think talked the most about and sort of gravitated towards at least, you know, back and forth and you can knock them, but to me, the three that I'm going to probably have in most of my exotics is I'm going to probably play this four, six, and eight um, here with uh, with you know love with loves only you, and I will throw in uh, Rougier a, a little bit also. And I just don't, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably have some Idaria, and and I'll, I'll like the way I play, I'll have you know other horses singled in the race or two after, so maybe I'll spread out in one ticket and use a couple others in this race. But that's those are probably. The four I don't of the U.S. horses I don't really like I'm, I'm okay playing against Warlike Goddess in here I, I'm not really all that sold on going to Vegas and that they would be more under types for me as far as just win contenders that I'd be trying to throw in a pick four or pick five type situation to me it's just it's all of the uh of the imports yeah from a, from a win perspective it's feels very much like a tote board race yes there's 
one of them is going to get forgot about so one or two that, of these horses that are sort of evenly matched in that top group that we think might be four to one. Well, they may float up to eight, and that that's probably who you should bet. Yeah, I, I really I agree. I really do think that you want to what you know you want to you want to set your price, your acceptable price, and play it off the tote board there because I think like we talked about earlier, there are four or five horses in here who could be within this you know three or four point range from an odd standpoint. And if one of them drifts, that might be your play. I think what's kind of interesting from, you know, a pick four perspective is it feels on paper like a spread race in the pick four. But if you look at the sequences that this race falls in, you know, in the early pick four, it falls in the gamine life is good sequence. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so you're not looking at a ton of value there, potentially. I Personally, I, I would take a shot against gamine. But that's me, a, too. I'm going to I'm going to. Yeah. 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 But. You know, if things fall that way, you're you're almost better off if you really have to use, you know, in the sequence, you're almost better off using as a separator race and taking a stand and singling. Hundred percent. If you, you know? think if you've got three horses that you kind of have in a in a tier and they're all going to be similar prices, yeah. the best thing that, to do from a gambling standpoint is always to just. Take your shot, and maybe you're only going to win 33% of the time. But just the way that your your bankroll is going to be at the end of the time, like in the long run, that's just a smart way to gamble. You don't need to triple up in spots where it might be similar chances for a horse to win. Find out who you like the most. Take a stand. Do a little bit more work. Take a, you know yeah. opinion from one or two more people, and just say, you know what, it's going to be loves only, or it's going to be love, or it's going to be um, whoever. If you yeah. if you feel that they have those similar chances, and if you're kind of like John and I in that. We don't. We're not really all that impressed with what we've seen from the American horses and how they may stack up against these particular imports. Because I do think the horses that showed up. I mean, Idaria won this race last year, and the mm-hmm. Love and Love's Only You are both very, very good, polarizing, popular horses too. Which is it's just great for the Breeders' Cup and great for a race like this. Like these are the kind of horses that we would love to see show up year in and year out. Yeah, and I do think I do think it's worth noting that if you really want to spread in this race and play it in a pick four sequence, there is an all stakes or an all turf yes. pick four with yes. the mile, the turf sprint, this race, and the turf. And you can project that you're probably going to get some better prices in the mile or the turf sprint than you would in some of those other sequences that include Life is Good and Gamine and Jackie's Warrior. So that's kind of the way that I would approach it if you're going to play it in multi-race sequence. Moose, man, thank you so much. This was a blast. This was a lot of fun. I love being able to talk it out with you. You're someone who um, I've, I've always respected. You helped me um, through some some tough times, through some good times. I learned a lot from you and uh, just – you know, listening to you talk and and seeing um, how you approach races and just um, you know hearing and seeing the way you covered it and what I've always appreciated from you um, always is you love racing and you respect it. You know, you you just you come off always as someone who takes it seriously in just a very respectful way. Like you're a big sports fan, you love hockey. You and I have talked a lot about basketball. Your Phoenix Suns team now is very good, one of the top teams in the NBA. And uh, I always love chatting sports with you because. You're just someone who is like super knowledgeable to talk with. And yeah, we I asked you for like 15 or 20 minutes and we spent 45 going through this race <laughs> and we probably could have spent even more, you know, uh, afterwards. So thank you so much. I'd love to have you come back for, you know, on big racing days where you can help out some, on some of the undercard. I think the, I really think we're going to get great feedback on this because some of the things that you know and that you 
you know, like you said, you you, you pay attention to and maybe take a, take the time following. A lot of people who listen to this show and who follow American racing, there are just little tidbits of things about love and the the catching the the temperature and the races they were pointed to. You know, just little things like that that they may not have known. That's the kind of stuff I was really looking for, and I, I appreciate you uh, you coming in locked and loaded as I expected, uh, all prepped up, man. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime, Gino. It was really fun, and uh, thanks for having me. And keep doing what you're doing, man. Like I always told you, I love your passion and your energy for the sport, and uh, it was great to be here. John Moosis, uh, you can give John a follow on uh, on Twitter at J Moosis. Some uh, some fun insight if you're into uh, into hockey, you will get some great stuff from John too. He's very passionate about his teams and uh, basketball season. Now we're getting into too. So, um, John, great, like great. Is this the best time of the year for sports right now? Oh yeah, Every, right? it's got to be October right? with NBA now and NHL just starting. We got college football and the NFL. In the middle, we are literally talking Breeders' Cup as we are getting set for the biggest weekend of horse racing every single year, and we're in the middle of the Baseball World Series. Also, like this is this is it because there's the April part of the year is pretty good too, but there's no but football's got to be in the mix. Oh yeah, yeah, football like has to be in the mix. Yeah, so. John, man, thank you so much, buddy. Good luck this weekend. I'll go back and forth with you, and uh, let's see if, if we get a little bit of love in here. I'd, I'd imagine we'll both do okay. <laughs> love, love's only you. Some, some sort of love in here, and uh, I love you, brother. Thank you so much. All right, good luck to you guys. That was John Moose is here. Uh, he'll be back uh, again many times, hopefully. Uh, the first of many from John, who is helping us out with the Philly and Mare Turf. Don't go anywhere, though, folks. We are moving along from race number seven to race number eight as we continue along through Breeders' Cup Saturday. Great stuff from John Mooses. We're gonna have to get him back uh, often and often and often to talk racing with us here. He just very analytical mind, as you can see. He'll, he'll give you a, a ton, ton of information about every single horse. For me, it's gonna be all about the imports in the Philly and Mare turf. So the three I will be using gonna be four, six, and eight. Rougier. Love and loves only you. I think they are just a cut above everybody else in here. So those are the three for me in the rolling exotics there. And again, a big thank you to John for helping us out. This episode is going to finish up with the Breeders' Cup Sprint next. And uh, the gentleman who's joined us, I think, for at least the last two, maybe three years of uh, of Breeders' Cup Sprints, Craig Milkowski, is going to help us out. We're going to go horse by horse there. Before we do... I want to let you know about DRF Sports. So I'm always uh, referencing daily racing form and DRF past performances because we we trust that source. This is something I've been using my entire life. I, I know what DRF is going to give me. I know the accuracy of that information. And now DRF, that same great trusted information that you've always got when you've played the races and with horse racing – the news, the articles, the past performances, that is all going to be making its way over to sports. DRF.com slash sports. You can go to the website right now. It sort of looks like when you walk into a sports book, all the game lines up on top, NBA, NHL, whatever games are happening that day, football, college football, baseball. You can click on each matchup and get unbelievable information there. What I love about it is that 
all of these tabs and all of this different info is right there one click. You don't have to pull up five or six different websites. You click on a particular game, you can get their team, offense, and defensive numbers and all sorts of the regular basic statistics you would get every anywhere else, but they're right there in front of you. Then you get the betting angles. These are unique insights that are DRF style angles They're going to give you things that you might have been able to Pull up in formulator that you can adjust To your own statistics when you think about How you do it for horse racing That's the kind of thing you're going to get there For for football This one per example Northern Illinois 44-19 against the spread Versus poor rushing defenses And it'll give you a little bit more information About that It shows you how the lines have moved Lines movement against the spread And the over-under movement You can see how the public is playing If you want to back or fade Key injury information for every game For every match For whatever uh, contest uh, That's going to be happening You can get previous results And see how teams have done In their recent form Against the spread What some of the closing numbers were What the head-to-heads are And then all of those team statistics And for whatever sport DRF.com Slash sports If you play the if you play the races And you've trusted DRF And if you're someone who plays sports You were going to trust DRF sports With the very same sort of confidence That you did with DRF because that information over there is incredible. It's a go-to for me every day. Left side of the screen, when you go to drf.com slash sports, you get all the tabs, so you can click on whatever sports you want to go to, see what the schedule is, check out some of their betting insights or articles. On the right side of the screen, you've got videos where they share some of their best bets and games or props that you should be keeping an eye on. Podcasts that are coming out, talking about NFL, college football, drf.com slash Sports. Moving along to the eighth race on Breeders' Cup Saturday. It is the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Craig Milkowski joins for a horse by horse look at race number eight on Saturday. Breeders' Cup Saturday continues on, and we are up to the Breeders' Cup Sprint. We're up to race number eight on the Saturday card over at Del Mar for November the 6th. And who better? To come talk about the, some of the fastest horses in the world And a man who makes a lot of speed figures A man who times a lot of races And who has seen many, many fast horses run through the years It's not an old shot That just is a shot at how much work this man put in puts in each and every day Talking about our good friend Craig Milkowski from Timeform US Craig, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, looking forward to this Breeders' Cup on Saturday, and glad you picked me for the sprint. I think I've kind of been a staple on your show. Yeah. I always like to do the sprint. It's yep. generally my favorite race on the card. It's 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 the one that I've always wanted you to kind of be pegged at because, like we said, you the fast horses, you make the figures, you get a good idea of some really really talented horses in this field, and I think one in particular that you've been a fan of for a, a lot of this year because. I mean, when we when we look at uh, Jackie's Warrior in this particular race, as we talk uh, about the Breeders' Cup Sprint, when I when I think about this year and some of the races that have been just the best and most exciting races of the year, he was probably a part of two of those races, maybe three of the the best f- five to ten on like any short list. The Pat Day Mile was awesome. He threw it down and he battled throughout. He came right back. And, uh, and had to do it in the Woody Stevens And he just got beat that day And then him in, in Life is Good When they hooked up in the Jerkins He's not only good and fast And finishes strong 
But he's battle tested and he's been in some fights With some really nice horses Which we don't get to see all that often In this day and age of horse racing Yeah, he's an amazing combo of early speed, just overall speed, and that grit you talk about. I mean, he shows a lot of fight in his races. Uh, He had every reason to get beaten that Pat Day mile and just dug in. The one race he did lose to to, uh, drain the clock in the Woody Stevens, he just had a very tough start. He kind of got slammed into from the side. Didn't seem to matter. Uh, he wasn't able to quite hold on at the end, but he just went to the front, went super fast that day, just got nipped. As you said, he turned around, turned the tables on during the clock when things were a little more fair early. And then that battle with life is good. I mean, it's almost it's a shame for me that the dirt mile exists because mm-hmm. I would have loved to seen these two hook up again. I know you're right and uh, and life is good maybe not quite ready or who knows if they wanted to take a shot because him and him trying to use that speed against Nick's go might have been fun to see also with with, the, with a lot of that speed might signed on for the classic but uh, Jackie's warrior I think is no doubt the absolute one to beat in here Craig and he's just he's a horse who what I like with him is you can you can see everything in his form all makes sense. He was really good right away. He was very good at two. And then like like almost all horses that are good in and precocious at two, he ends up you no, know, they want to stretch him out a little bit and see how far this horse can go. Is he a derby kind of horse or is he a very, very good horse that just Unfortunately can't go that far is he more of a sprinter And they found out that Yeah we took a shot in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile he Actually ran deceivingly well it, His two route races he didn't win But they, they were really kind of fast Especially in that uh, in that Juvenile And he didn't run all that poorly But he just isn't a, a distance horse And once they turned him back in the Path Day Mile And they focused on sprint races And races that are just not distance ones He's rewarded them Like I think a lot of horses do when you you don't put him in spots where they're not comfortable. This is what this horse wants to do. And now that he knows and he has a home sprinting, he just shows up on the racetrack each and every time and gives it his all, leaves it all out there. Yeah, you can't blame the connections for what you know, all. getting a just a tiny bit of derby fever, yeah. but they made the right call. I mean, a lot exactly. of people, I, I think Would myself I included. Yeah, I kind of argued that he might have ran the best race in the juvenile, but Mm -hmm. the distance was just a little too much for him. They made the right call, and this turned back to six. I mean, a lot of his races came at seven, six and a half, the mile, you said. But when he runs at six, I mean, he's just been proven unbeatable. He won by six and a half at Parks. You have to go back in his PPs to find a few others where he ran that short, but he broke his maiden one by two and a half. He he won the uh, grade two Saratoga Saratoga special by a solid three lengths. So just nobody comes close to him. And, you know, I don't want to spoil the suspense, but to make money in this race, it's not going to be trying to beat Jackie's Warrior for me. Yeah, I'm going to keep him on top. There won't be any boxes or anything like that because if he runs his race, I, I just think he's long gone. There are some horses over the weekend on both Friday and Saturday that are probably going to be pretty short price favorites that I'm definitely willing to line up and, and play against. It's just he's not one of them. <laughs> he's not. And he's he's really, really good. And, yeah, he'll face older there just aren't any horses There aren't any other Unbelievably incredible Older sprinters or other Horses in this race there are a couple good Ones but nobody that would really scare You or or Make you concerned about Jackie's Warrior in that situation and 
yeah, he he's the one to beat. We'll talk a little bit about the the rest of the field and mention some horses and and how we may play the race as uh, we look at following C, who's drawn inside. I think I saw one of your your tweets that just said, "Uh, uh it's not not the place you'd want to be. Uh, scratch the horse inside, uh, joking around." But he he's a nice horse who's developing and kind of figuring it out. But two starts back when he was in that race against Jack as Warrior and Life is Good, he was no match for the top two in there. He did come out of it and and win the Vosberg and he beat Forenzi Fire, who's in this race. But that was a race where following C was the lone speed and got away with, you know, pretty a pretty easy lead. And he's definitely not going to get that kind of a trip in here. No, I, I thought his lone chance, and even that, I was thinking for the exacta, would be to draw outside Jackie's Warrior, hoping maybe he's improved a little bit since that uh, Alan Jerkins, when he was a distant third behind Jackie's Warrior, and life is good. But drawing inside to me just seems like a, a bad, bad spot. Uh, in particular, I mean, not just because it's a rail, but because he's right inside of Jackie's Warrior. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. He did beat Olders in that Vosburg, but as you said, the older horses just have not been very good. I mean, that was that goes back all the way back to last year when the Breeders' Cup Sprint as a speed figure guy got as low a figure as I can ever remember. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the winner hit a 120, uh, where normally it's more like a, a 130 type race. So. The, the older horses have kind of been ripe for the pickings. All of the graded races were just won by horses who weren't that good, in my opinion. So while following C is a three-year-old, I, I don't give him any extra credit for beating older. Because at this point, we know what Forenze Fire yep. is. He, he's okay. I admire the horse because he was able to survive Jason's service and, and continue mm-hmm. on to to be a really good runner. But as you said, last time he just got an easy lead, baby, baby Yoda who looked like maybe he was going to be some speed, didn't break very well. So I just think that rail post is a very tough spot. So a horse I was considering using an exact as that kind of went by the wayside with the draw. Number three is a CZ Rocket, who is a grinder. He is a horse who has done some really good work for Peter Miller. And he was, you know, he was for a while early in the in the the year and towards the end of last year coming off of his runner up effort in the in the sprint he was right towards the top of the sprint division in and then things tailed off for him uh, a little towards the the middle part to the end of this year it's not as if he's been bad he just he hasn't been running all that fast and he's been defeated by you no know, Dr. Shivel twice uh Ginobili who jumped up and ran a pretty big Big race in the in the Pat O'Brien, and then he came back and ran another big one. Uh, he ran, I think, the big one right before that. But I mean, if he's double digits, could he grind into a minor award? Yeah, I don't think he's quite as good as if I was trying to beat Jackie's Warrior with a couple uh, that I think maybe could. I'm not sure if CZ Rocket can. No, I, I don't think he can beat him. He is a horse, so I have on my list for exactters and yeah, trifectas. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he's taken a few knocks. He started out the year beating Whitmore a couple times at Oakland, the uh, turn the tables on last year's Breeders' Cup. But CZ Rocket, we know who he is now. He's a kind of mid-teens horse. I do give him a pass for that last race against Dr. Shivel. I I think that was a day that was the rail was just really the place to be, and CZ Rocket was never anywhere near the rail. Um, 
he looked like he was still going to get up in the second, but he just couldn't quite uh, wear down Flagstaff, who had saved some ground in there, was inside of him throughout. So I'm going to give him a pass there. And just based on the rest of the field, who I'm sure we're going to talk about, I, I think he's got a shot to run second and third, second or third in here. Yeah, once you start eliminating horses, you kind of come back to him. Right, you can maybe at first glance you're you're not like as excited about his win chances, but then when you kind of start playing the race out in your head and how it's going to unfold, he will pass horses, he will pick up some pieces, some of the horses who try to get more forwardly placed and they don't get the trips they want that back up, he won't have that kind of a trip. And he's he's run at Del Mar, he's you know a local horse, and Miller has a lot of success here. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him run well and to hit the board. I just I don't know if he is. There are one or two I think Maybe maybe you're good enough if Jackie's Warrior Doesn't show up with the A game that could win this race Didn't think that was one And I'm not sure about Matera Sky I just have This is a horse who was in the 2019 Breeders' Cup Sprint And was actually not too far off of the the pace That race uh, early on The the race that Matoli ended up winning I, I You know, coming off the recent form This is a horse who only has one race since March And, and that was uh, in the Cluster Cup Going six furlongs when just was well beaten in the Golden Shaheen. Never got involved. It's hard to even give that race to, to gauge that race at all. It's just really hard on the dirt. I, I've said this a few times throughout all the different interviews that I've had. Internationally, the the grass sometimes can be an equalizer for horses. I feel and trying to keep up with American dirt horses and just the, the how quick the pace is in a lot of these races and a horse like Jackie's Warrior and a couple others that are pretty seasoned. That's like a different ball game than I think Matera Sky might be ready for. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid horse in Japan. We saw what he can do in Saudi, as you said. He ran a big race. Uh, I just think he's up against it in here. It wasn't the strongest field. That race, he was barely beat. His mm-hmm. form's a little bit questionable lately. His last two races don't look good. But I do think he's the one most likely to be trying to press Jackie's Warrior. I just think it's probably going to doom him to failure lead. I imagine he's going to be gasping for air. Uh, as we go into the stretch at Delmar And we go into Aloha West The number 5 here Who, If this race was at 6.5 or 7 I would give him a big shot I would upgrade him quite a bit And think that maybe there were opportunities For Jackie Jackie's Warrior to get a little bit more Tired late At 6 I think it's just a, I could see similar type of trip And a similar type Finish for him like he had in his his Last effort in the Phoenix going six when He was late on the scene or even three starts Back at Saratoga going six where He was just able to get up and win By a nose I you know At the tweener distances I would really upgrade him more and I think He's a very nice horse I think he's trending In the right direction and If they do go really really quick He is one who will benefit where do you Stack up Aloha West with this group yeah, he's similar to CZ Rocket for me. I think he is an underneath player in part because I think the other speed horses, that, you know, as I've said, they're they're going to be in trouble trying to chase Jackie's Warrior. And it doesn't necessarily mean Aloha West is a better horse than them, but I just think he's going to get the setup. And he's the one that definitely I'll be using in those two, three slots just because he, he is for sure one that's going to be passing some horses in mm-hmm. the stretch. Yep, he's he's got he kind of feels like a very like now peaking, trending in the right direction horse. This is a really good test for him, and and like we're kind of getting at, Jackie's Warrior I think is very very good, and I do respect a couple horses towards the outside that we'll get to in a minute. But 
They don't scare you Special Reserve, Dr. Chevelle They don't really scare you all that much Jackie's Warrior kind of does The rest of the field is, it's okay You know, it's not the deepest, deepest group So we're sort of just looking In in that sense, Aloha West is trending in the right direction And just may have a little more upside Than many in here And uh, if if he is around that price If he's in in between 6 and 10 to 1 That's very fair for a horse Will probably be the uh, you know, the fourth or fifth choice in this race, as we get to Lexitar, uh, we get the Forensic Fire. We we referenced him a minute ago. He's he's just the old vet. This guy is now uh, six years old. He's earned over two point seven million. He's won fourteen times, and he is really really honest. It just seems like all of the best work that he's ever done has been in in New York. He's really really good at Belmont in particular, and he's capable of you know showing some. Tactical speed and getting good trips In some races where he can sit behind a couple Speeds but now he's sort Of to me he's kind of like a measuring stick for Some of the sprint races on the New York circuit And and if if there are really good Horses I think they're going to probably beat him at this point In his career yeah he's He's very consistent Uh, one Thing that I noticed when you look through his past Performances he did run third Last year in that uh, weak breeders Cup that I referenced only got a 113 but Something you don't normally see, he's a six-year-old who has kind of changed running styles this year. He had became a horse who was coming from off the pace for the most part. And all of a sudden, his last uh, four of his last five, when he's run pretty well, he's been right up on or near the lead. And unfortunately for him, I don't think that's a good thing in this race. I think he might be better served by trying to make a late run. And... I just don't think he he's a horse who's really a grade one type horse anymore. If he ever really was, I mean, I no. guess if you run third in the Breeders' Cup, you're you're pretty close. But he just doesn't have the speed figures to stack up, and I prefer some others. Lexitonian is twenty to one on the morning line, and he's a horse who has shown up in in one some some races at some big prices. He's capable of really shocking the the board, which he did in the Vanderbilt a couple starts back. And he beat Special Reserve that day He's almost a grade one winner Over this track also We're in the Bing Crosby in August of 2020 Which we were talking about The sprint last year And that sprint race at at Del Mar Wasn't very good as one of the preps For the Breeders' Cup sprint And you know he he's going to be a big price Some days he shows up And runs huge But I don't know even if his best best efforts would be able to compete with the likes of Jackie's Warrior. Would you use him in some of your underneath spots uh, in, in how you're playing this race, or is he uh, is he a use or a toss for you? You know, just because of the price he's going to be, I, I think you almost have to use him because I agree. You, you don't want to you don't want to hit the other horse. You know, maybe you like CZ Rocket or Aloha West, and they run a good third like you're expecting, but they get nosed out by Lexitonian because he decides mm-hmm. to show up. You don't want to miss out on that payoff. It's not like we're talking about, you know, a horse who's going to be shorter. Like, I'm I'm not going to use following C. And if if he beats me, he beats me. But I don't want to get knocked out by a horse who is very likely to be the longest or second longest shot on the board. And and that's some figures better than some of these other horses. Yeah. If you're playing this, so we're now we're sort of in the conversation of who are the horses that we are going to use uh, after Jackie's Warrior. And and you don't want to just go A, B, C with some of the logicals. We don't really even like the the prospects all that much of following C with the draw. Frenzy Fire is probably one that will take a little bit of money. We'll talk about Special Reserve in a second. But this is a horse who has a little bit of versatility, has a little bit of 
it has some speed, but but can pass horses if need be. Especially at six furlongs, I think can sit plenty fine and pass some horses. But he's not going to get outrun by other really fast horses in here it, it, with the right kind of setup. Sure, and he'll be a bigger price than many. So I'm with you. Uh, we'll use Lexitonian in some underneath spots. We get to the final two in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and we get to Special Reserve, who won the Grade Two Phoenix last time out, and I guess he's. He's really, I guess, a key and sort of a wild card to this race because, I mean, on paper, you look at him as one of the most likely if anyone is capable of putting pressure on Jackie's Warrior. And if that even matters, it might be him. Can this horse push Jackie's Warrior at all? And what do you think about special reserve in here? Does he end up getting caught maybe like in, in chase mode instead? He does, I think, and that's a mode that I absolutely hate, kind of mm-hmm. being the chaser Agree. of the speed. He's not really a tracker-type horse. I mean, he's run okay from second, was able to win some races, but he's a guy who's got to be up there pretty close. Uh, he's not going to wear down horses from fourth or fifth, and, and I think he's got to be close. And the one thing that really sticks out to me, and, and hats off to Mike Maker. I mean, this guy's been one heck of a claim for $40,000. Uh, I didn't bother adding up the money he's won, but it, it's got to be pretty substantial in just five starts. I had six starts. But I think he's got his work cut out for him. He's going to try to be close. And as I started saying, the one thing that really sticks out for me is since he's been clean, though he's run consistently, always in the exacta, we don't show a single uh, fraction coated in red as being a fast pace in any of his races. And I think, unfortunately for him, he's going to have to deal with something he's never seen before. A very talented three-year-old to the outside is Dr. Chevelle, who was, he's always shown ability. He broke his maiden for a, a trainer named Luis Mendez last year. And he actually won the grade one Del Mar Futurity. Luis Mendez is a very, very good Two-year-old trainer he does what he did With Dr. Chevelle a lot of the time With horses where he can get them to, to Get ready to to break their maiden early On and get them ready to run And then sell them for private purchase Somewhere else and, and then you know that's That's a lot of what he does and so Dr. Chevelle they actually Put away early uh, Last year they didn't even have him run In the Breeders Cup I don't think there was any sort of Physical issue they just wanted to to Give him time to develop and when they returned this year, midway through the year in June, he came off the bench and he won pretty nicely. He came back again in the uh, the Bing Crosby, and I didn't. That was a race that I really wasn't impressed with him all that much, to be to be honest. And and then I was a little frustrated because in the in the Santa Anita Sprint uh, Championship, I actually played um, the horse Vertical Threat, who I thought was going to be on the lead. There wasn't that much speed in there, and Vertical Threat broke on top. What happened was Doctor Chevelle. The, the right rain broke And it was it was really A kind gesture by I believe Cedillo on uh, on vertical threat To just kind of get out of the way And let Dr. Chevelle right up the inside He he was impressive in doing All that with the equipment stuff but I maybe in the, in, in the future I'm gonna I'm, if I had like a horse I would tell The jockey to kind of come up from behind and say oh Rain's broke get out of the way let me give me the rail You know maybe, maybe we can get some gentlemen's Racing every now and then and uh, and steal a win But uh, all that joking aside This is a nice horse I don't know what kind of trip What are you projecting for him in here You know he's a versatile horse Um 
I don't hold that last race against them too much. I do think people were overblowing the the broken rain thing because mm-hmm. in effect it wound up not hurting him at all and at probably all. helping him Absolutely. because he wound up on that golden rail that day. He wasn't going fast. As you said, he just kind of, it's like the seas parted and opened up and he was just okay from a speed figure perspective. He ran a 119 final time figure, which is pretty decent, but nothing great. The time before that in the Bing Crosby at Del Mar, he got another perfect setup. But that time he came from off the pace and what was a really fast pace that day. So, again, you do have the versatility. He doesn't really have the speed figures. He's one of the slowest horses, if not the slowest horse in the field on my figures. And he's the second choice. Uh, So I'll be honest, he scares me because all he does is win. And he has that versatility. And when I watch the race, he's the one I'm going to be keeping an eye on to see how he's doing. Because most likely, he's the one that's going to make or break my bets. I'm not too worried about Jackie's Warrior winning. If he doesn't win, I'm going to lose anyway. Sure. But for me, if you play Dr. Shivel second and third behind a horse who's going to be odds on most likely, there's just no value. So for a horse I don't particularly care for, I'm not going to use him at all. I'm going to toss him while keeping a keen eye on him, knowing he's the key to whether I probably make money or not. Yeah, because if he's a little if he's a little light on speed figures and he's a little bit light in in even some experience and, and he's going to be the the next price in here, probably the B, you know, the the second choice. You don't necessarily want to go A B with a horse that you don't even love. You have to take a stand somewhere. And if you're going to be playing the the opinion that Jackie's Warrior is going to be strong in here, you want to give yourself the opportunity to make some value. And if you're playing it just this race and you're not playing, you know, Jackie's Warrior is just a single and moving along in pick fours and pick threes and stuff. I, I think you gotta probably play against Dr. Chevelle and throw in some of the other price horses that we were talking about. Because if you throw out Dr. Chevelle and you throw out we were kind of talking about special reserve being in in chase mode and and having a tough, you know, maybe a tough trip in here. So if we remove those two and then we start playing with the, with the other horses, well, now what's nice is we if if Jackie's Warrior wins, we're not probably going to have a lot of following C either. So we could be getting, you know, first choice over now, fifth, sixth choices and beyond in this race. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way I look at it, and I've kind of kind of learned as a gambler, it's okay not to cash. If a horse like Jackie's Warrior wins and Doctor Civil runs second, who cares? I mean, it's going to be you know what, an eleven dollar exactor or something. So I'm not going to sweat that if he was to beat me. I, I'm going to key uh, Jackie's Warrior, obviously, and underneath I'm going to use CZ Rocket. I'm going to use Aloha West a little bit. Uh, following C not as much as the other two because I I do think it's possible maybe just Jackie's warrior outbreaks him and he's able to slide over into a better tracking position and not get shuffled so I'm not totally dismissing following C maybe he'll get overlooked uh, but those are the three for me underneath I'm going to try to hit trifectas I'm going to try to hit exactas and and just hope that the bottom two get cooked trying to catch uh, Jackie's warrior trying to chase him Craig Milkowski, Timeform US. You have uh, the uh, the pace cast that uh, comes out with David Aragona, and I'm sure you've uh, been been working on a lot for this big Breeders Cup week. You have all the stuff happening and on the, all the content over at Timeform US. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of what you've got uh, coming out and uh, other ways that we can find some of your content this week. 
Uh, yeah, actually, this is the last thing I'm doing other than our forecast tomorrow. Nice. We didn't do a pace cast this weekend because of it being so busy for the Breeders' yeah. Cup. So we did a bunch of video previews. I want to say David and I did about eight of the races. They're they're pretty in-depth. Though, uh, I'll be honest, we did the sprint. We didn't go in as in-depth as we did here. So I think this was, was a good show. Um, tomorrow, we're not going to do our normal forecast where we kind of focus on uh, a pick five or a pick four sequence that we're, we like. We're just going to kind of analyze the favorites, who we like and who we don't like, and which, uh, try to focus on some long shots. Uh, it's just sprinkled throughout both cards because those are the horses that can really make or break your day. Uh, you, you only have to be right once or twice on the Breeders' Cup, and if it's with the right horses, you, you can have a very nice weekend. Craig Milkowski, give him a follow on social media at Timeform US. It just is it just at Timeform US? Yeah, Timeform US. Uh, Timeform US Figs is you, right? Yes. If if you don't want to put up with all my bad sports takes, then just follow Timeform US. Uh, I should have mentioned those videos. The best place to find them is on the DRF YouTube channel. Uh, that's where all our podcasts are and, and any race previews. We've been doing some each week as well. Those are videos, so you have to, unfortunately for you guys, look at my mug. But um, <laughs> and, and yeah, we, we don't do mind. the best we can with those. We don't mind the sports takes unless it's the Laker ones. Unless it's the Laker <laughs> ones, that's where I'm always rolling my eyes. But I got to say, I got to give you your uh, – your your team credit, I'm sure coming into this year, you weren't really expecting much. Heck, you already beat the Lakers once, and you almost beat the Clippers the other night. Not, like, not not bad for these kids. And and Giddy over in OKC, he he's got a little something there. He's got something. So you know, it's just kind of weird to wonder how far away you know. And and I think uh, as we get set to let uh, Craig get out of here, like someone like Shea, who's really good. But is he on the timeline with some of the other young guys in, in two or three years? Is he still going to want to be going through the uh, the growing pains, you know? Because if, if you can keep him in, in one or two and build around them, there are some fun pieces there. Yeah, he seems to have bought in, Shay. And make no mistake, Shay is a star. I mean, that guy can play. And I think uh, the way Josh Giddy is developing is going to further encourage him to to buy into this rebuild because I know he's caught a lot of people by surprise. There was a lot of uh, eye rolling and grumbling when Josh Giddy's name was called on draft night. And I had to go back and look because I never know what I'm going to say. But at the time, I pretty much said I trust him, Presti. And mm-hmm. he pretty much nailed this one because I think it's pretty obvious Josh Giddy's going to be a very good player for a long time at, at a minimum. He, he could easily be a star. So Absolutely. Tons of draft picks coming up, and, and I think the the downtimes are going to be fairly short compared to what we see some, from some other rebuilds. You have enough uh, enough assets and pieces to make a couple really quick moves. If you need to go yeah. out and and bring in a star or upgrade in in some of these drafts, and there's just so much, so many assets that you can use to do things really quickly if you have to. We see it every year. Some of these star players, they get frustrated, they want to leave, whatever the situation is, you never know. And then a year, six months later, there's two or three other stars that are upset. They want to go somewhere else. Oklahoma City could be a a, a really nice landing spot for some of those players that are are looking for a home and and they look around and go, hey, you know what? Shea's pretty good. Now they got another 
piece over there in Giddy. They've got a lot of, of flexibility moving forward. It's and it's a fun place to play. Everybody around in the area is really into the team, and it's kind of kind of got like a college feel to it in a good way. They're really into the the product there. So they're you're not you're right. It's not it feels far away, but when you compare some of the teams that are in that kind of range with Oklahoma City and where they might be in the win loss column. I feel like your team is in so much better shape than like an Orlando or a Houston or the Pelicans or some of these teams that they seem like there's like negative vibes or bad energy and you don't get that feel at all with OKC. No, it's really it's just they've been such a great franchise. They never got over the hump to win the title, but they've been really good all, you know, all along for the most part until this year really and the first year. But what I like is I'm really enjoying the basketball. I mean, there was a few years there during after Kevin Durant left and Russell Westbrook was running the show. And I love Russ, but, you know, then they brought in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And they were not a lot of fun to watch. I'll be no. honest. They, do, I'm they telling you, I'm dealing with this share. right now. I'm dealing <laughs> with this right now. And they're, it's the same thing with this Lakers. They're not... They can be good, but there's something to having some young players that you've kind of seen grow and develop, and you feel like you're like they're on the way. And right now, I feel like rooting for this Lakers team. There's a couple like AD feels to me like a Laker. He wasn't someone that was really established other places, but other than that, it's like there's a lot of like hired hitmen on this team. I feel like, and I of course I'm rooting for them every night, and I'm wanting them to win. But I look around and I'm like. Longing for my uh, my Kyle Kuzma's and Caruso's and KCP's, some guys that I, I like missed through the last few years. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I, I think maybe your Lakers might have went a little too far on the veteran thing. Uh, Very much. It's so. probably going to bite him, but it's a long season, and we know LeBron. He won't be content if he doesn't think he has a roster that can win. He's going to start rattling some chains and get some moves made. So. The Lakers we're seeing now in early November may very well not be the Lakers we're seeing in April. I agree, and and if if worse comes to worse, I'll just ring the bell for the Laker refs, and we know what uh what'll happen there when they <laughs> when they jump when they jump into uh into the conversation. Craig, buddy, you and I could sit here and have a full basketball podcast, but uh I'll let you go because we have a very busy week coming up, and I, I appreciate so much that you were able to take some time out. And yeah, you were someone who was a a staple uh for a while, and then uh, you. Yeah, you had some. Uh, you had a, a surgery, and uh, you and I were talking before. Everything's been going very well for you and your daughter, and uh, you did an incredible gesture there to help her out. And so, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're back playing tennis. You're doing well, and now since you're feeling good, I'm gonna take advantage of you again a bunch on, on these big racing days. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I miss being on. Uh, you you make things so easy. Uh, we always have a million things we can talk about. I know we've even done a, a tennis podcast once oh, yeah. that turned out pretty well. <laughs> Absolutely. So. You know fun. me, I, I will watch literally anything where they keep score, and I, I try to stay pretty educated and unbiased except for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our blind spots and our weak spots. At least I know that with you, and uh, I, I have a few myself that uh, I, I get razzed about. But, Craig, buddy, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and have a great weekend coming up. We'll talk again real soon. All right, sounds good. Look forward to it. Make sure to give Craig a follow there on social media and do not go anywhere, folks. The train continues rolling on through Breeders' Cup Saturday. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm coming up with Craig on this one. It's Jackie's Warriors race to lose. The horse who I will try to hook up with in a lot of the exotics. I I will use Aloha West, I think, a little more 
than than just Jackie's Warrior. So I will throw Aloha West into some of the late exotics, some late pick fours, some late pick fives, and pick six and stuff like that. But Jackie's Warrior is not a favorite I'm trying to beat. So for me, 5-2 is how I will build a lot of the exotics. Tons of respect for Dr. Chevelle. Just from a, a wagering standpoint, I prefer the upside of Aloha West. I do think Jackie's Warrior is really the one to beat in there. And that is going to do it for this episode, part one of Breeders' Cup Saturday. Major thank you to Chappie for helping us out with races one through three. Dave Handlin helped us out with the fourth, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Angela Herman, great analysis in that Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Then we got into the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, whoever the heck that guy was. I don't know what he was smoking, but maybe he can lead you to a winner or two in the sixth. Seventh race, John Moosis giving us some information and tidbits and uh, planned stuff for some of these horses that shipped in. I would have never known that kind of thing. John giving a, a you info that you probably aren't going to be getting in a lot of other places. And then Craig Milkowski from Timeform US, the man who makes the speed figures over there. He knows fast horses, and he helped us out with the Breeders' Cup Sprint. So on our next episode, on part two, what we have for you, race number nine for Saturday. That's the Breeders' Cup Mile on the turf. The Sarge, ooh Nick Hines is going to help us out with that one. So Tune to uh, part two to get race number nine. Race number 10, Emily Gullickson. She's going to go horse by horse in the distaff with us. Then we get to race number 11. That one was Ed DeRosa who helps us out. We talk about the Breeders' Cup turf, and then Ed lets us know what's next for him as he makes the transition from Twin Spires over to Horse Racing Nation. We get to the Breeders' Cup Classic, and we have two different opinions in the Classic. First, it's Chris Larmy going horse by horse. Then it's Emily Gullickson going horse by horse. And then we get into best bets for Saturday with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. That's going to be on part two of our Breeders' Cup Saturday preview. Yeah, folks, we had a full show for Friday. We have two different episodes for Saturday, and we've still got another regular episode of That's What G Said podcast coming out later in the week that's going to cover everything happening in football, preview all the football games for you this weekend, recap everything that's been going on in the world of wrestling. We're going to talk with Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports uh, and give out a couple plays for the weekend. So the uh, the grind never stops. We love it. We love helping you out. We love making you some money. We love keeping you informed. And uh, we love our friend Joey Cleveland, who you heard the the intro, some of the theme songs that we have, uh, some of the uh, little uh, little fun uh, intros before and after each segment. That is all my friend Joey Cleveland. I went to high school with him. He is a really really talented musician. He helps me out and puts together a lot of the uh, the little jingles, and you could you can sense he's really good um, and very creative, and he has a great sense of humor too. Joey, my friend, close us out, and then you're going to open up that next episode, uh, part two, for us again very, very soon.